is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, beautiful people. Hello, friends. We have managed to take season three, episode eight, We'll Never Have Paris, and turn it into four parts. That is uh, something I never thought would ever, ever happen. Um, but here we are managing to uh, managing to do it, and we are at the beginning of part four. I am your host, Coach Castleton. With me, as always, is Coach Bishop. Four on three. One, two, three, four. Four. And, uh, of course, uh, with Coach and I uh, is our boss, Emily Chambers. Um, so I can't remember what I referred to Janelle Monet's new album as, but the answer is that it is called The Age of Pleasure. I think said, I said something about season or the pleasure, something ridiculous. It is The Age of Pleasure, and it's good. It's going to take me a few more listens to get into, but it's good. I love it. I was supposed to listen this weekend, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it Got to get in there. Yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list. Um, okay, so we are we where when we jumped off last uh, last uh, episode, we were in the middle. We rarely stop in the middle of scenes, but I am not a competent planner, and so what happened was <laughs> I looked at the time, freaked out, and decided to prioritize my child. And uh, but I, after uh, I had to get my daughter to Girl Scouts, and I did. And then um, I sent a picture and a message to coach and boss saying, I did it. I have achieved. We have made it to Girl Scouts on time. Um, I know I have a lot of social anxiety, especially um, whenever I have to do something new, whenever I have to go to go into someplace new. That's where it really hits me. And I have to sort of talk myself into it. And it's such an interesting thing because once you do something for the first time, like a new group, a new meeting, a new school, a new whatever, you go in for the first time, then somehow your brain goes, okay, yeah, I know what this is. I know what the rules of the game are. But when you don't, especially if you're like a recovering control freak like me, you, it's, it's, you're just like, oh God, what do I, like, where do I sit? Where do I stand? How do, how do people talk here? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a very strange thing. So I didn't want to foist that on my nine year old and, um, and I and I uh, dipped right in the middle of this of this scene where we were was and I reckon the dinosaurs here are much less handsy, a um, just a real throwaway joke by Keely Jones at the uh, at the mini golf place. And I watched it a couple times since this episode. Go ahead, coach. You got something. Do it. No. Yeah. Something just struck me again as we, you know, explore class in particular in this relationship. I'm not sure those dinosaurs are handy with Jack in the way they are handy with Keely. And I think that, yeah. that I'm not sure the joke meant as much to the audience as it did to the teller on that one. Um, as I sort of think about the flow of the scene, um, it was sort of, yes, I'll join you in laughing, but I don't think they would have the same experience. And I heard boss agreeing with me there. You're absolutely right. Yeah, there's no way. Not a billionaire's daughter. No, you know, jerk off, half wit, drunk uncle is gonna even remotely put himself in that sort of uh, danger zone. 
um, you'd have to be out of your, t- out of your damn mind. Yeah. Uh, but Keely, uh, with no, none of that, uh, societal backup in the same way, it's open season for, uh, dirt bags. And so dirt bags of all kinds, dirt bags that look, look lovely and seem lovely and until no one's looking. Um, and, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I do think it was, uh, it meant, it meant, uh, that's a great, right out of the gate coach, right out of the gate. God, I yeah. love coach. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, he's got his fist in the air. I love it. Love it, coach. Way to go. <laughs> um, okay, so I made uh, a point off my face. <laughs> right, exactly. But my face almost scored. Um, so uh we say uh J- well, Jack uh, responds to Keely and says, Oh yeah, the dinosaurs are, but I can't say the same for some of the other people. Oh yeah, yeah. And um as they're sort of embracing, who walks in? But uh, actor Augusta Woods, who is clearly the love child of uh, Yvonne Strahovski and Portia de Rossi. And um, she is a, has a great look to her. And I thought it was wonderful casting because she just sort of kind of just kind of killed it. And she had these little squinty eyes that were like she was really pretty, uh, but also carried herself really well and had the right sort of speech and the right sort of shoulders back and the right sort of cadence to everything and effortless you know, life is a burden kind of thing of, of the um, idle rich. And uh, yeah, she says, Jack, and and uh, walk us through this, boss. Yeah, so she says, Jack, they clearly know each other. Um, I, I believe she starts with, sorry, excuse me, as a like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Is that blah, blah, blah. Uh, they said, oh, hey, look at you. Nice suit. What are you doing here? Um, they do that kiss on each cheek thing and like give each other a hug. Mwah, mwah. Yeah, exactly. Um, she says that she's there for her sister's Hindu, which for Americans, that's the equivalent of a bachelorette party. Uh, and then they look over and there's a group of women uh, wearing like not cat ears exactly, but uh, sort of pink fluffy headbands. There is a blow-up doll in the background that they're waving around. They're obviously having a good time. Uh, And one of the jokes is that she's marrying a golfer, a professional. Oh, no, he just golfs. I really like that joke, actually. That was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, professional golfer? No, not not Rory McIlroy. It's uh, just just a man who has nothing better to do than chase a little ball around. Well, have I mentioned on here the live-action Popeye movie from the late 80s? And how much I loved it as a child. You have not. I loved that movie when I was a little kid. I thought it was hilarious. And is my that Robin fake, Williams? I think, yes, Robin wow. Williams and yeah. Shelley Duvall. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Excellent. like throughout my childhood, a thing that I would say when somebody was unimpressive is, but he's large. That's a song that Olive Oil sings about Bluto when his girlfriends are saying, he may not be a lot, he's not, but he's large. And that's like the only thing he's got going for him. Oh, but he's large. I'm sure that's something my parents said that I picked up on, but uh, that it felt like sort of that one of those jokes. Like it captured it. Wait, yeah, he doesn't do a lot. He's a golfer. Oh no, not professionally. Mm. He just mm. golfs. You know what my go-to in that situation is, boss. I I rob from um, Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda, and I said, and I say, and you dress really interestingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I should also mention that uh, Tim Gunn, not James Gunn, but Tim Gunn from Project Runway, when somebody says, like, what do you think of my outfit? He always tries to be nice. 
And he so he goes to a line from an episode of I Love Lucy, where Lucy was required to not lie to people and also not insult them. Like she was supposed to be nice and truthful, which is impossible in most cases, in my experience. Uh, and so somebody says, what do you think of this hat? And she says, well, if that's the hat you want, you sure picked a good one. And so that's another one of those. Where it's like It doesn't <laughs> mean good. anything, that's, yeah, that's but it good. sounds really good. Yeah. If that's the outfit you want, you sure picked a good one. Ho- Hollywood uh, is full of this because you have people who with the biggest egos, but the most fragile egos. So yes. like, this is what the big running joke you say to all your friends is like, you've done it again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's all up there on the screen. Yeah, it's all up there. there. It's all up there. Man, congratulations. It's all up there. Woo. Boy. <laughs> you sure did finish the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so finally, after the back and forth, uh, it, oh, she also says we do a shot at every hole. Um, and, and then finally, they sort of pay attention to Keely. She turns to Keely and says, hello. And Jack says, oh, this is Alyssa. We went to you. Wait, wait, together. hold on a sec, boss. You missed one little tiny throwaway joke, which was we oh, have to do a shot every hole, but the good news is her friends suck, which is a which is a nice oh, little joke. It's yeah. like, that's the good news. Oh, the good news is the really good news about this excruciatingly long event is it that is. on top of it, yes. her friends are atrocious. So that's that's always fun. Well, of course. I I mean, I try to skip over people's friends who suck, so I understand why I missed that. It's fine. Um, but yes, then finally she does the introductions. Hello. Oh, this is Alyssa. We went to uni together. And this is my friend, Keely Jones, which is great. Mm. It there's a, brings up. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like, yeah. Brings into question immediately when she said to show off my girlfriend. Show off my girlfriend how? Like, show off my girlfriend and introduce everyone as my girlfriend or show off this hot woman that I'm with that they will think is interesting. And I can dazzle her with all of the festivities, but never have to actually say this is my girlfriend. Well, I'm I feel like the fact that the video came out between those events, between those conversations is all the difference in the world. And I do think she meant show her off. And, you know, but now she's, you know. Truly the great unwashed. Like, I was going to walk you in. I was going to walk you in. But now they're going to, you know, so I, I, I took I took it as that. I can't possibly say this to this person that I, this is my girlfriend. Well, she's also can't reference her uni. She can't say, like, this is Keely Jones. Well, we were over here. She was, you mm. know, she was over there. She's mm. like, oh, there's a lot going on here. So if you look at this, I've watched this over and over and over because there's some serious facial expressions like there's uh, from Jack, there's a lot cooking. So it's like uh, friend, Keely registers friend, and she's like, holy shit, she has a definite reaction to it. But also, okay, we, t- oh, God, I can't believe how much I've talked about like old money and so- socioeconomic class and things like that. I really can't believe how much it's come up on, on this show that I've had to like reference it. And it's, it's kind of, kind of mind boggling. Um, in this case, she says, uh, this is my friend, Keely Jones. Keely registers the friend part. Okay, good. There's that little beat. But Keely also la- laughs along. The good news her friends suck. Keely laughs with it. And that's when Alyssa says hello. So she's like, oh, hello. Because, oh, God, how do I even explain this? So it's a, th- it's a, it's a greeting between Jack and Alyssa. That is what the thing is. Now, when Keely starts laughing... Now she interjects herself into the dynamic without having been introduced at the at at, uh, at this point. So now it's com- Jack 
it's up to Jack in that situation too. I was just talking about the formal rules of mm-hmm. like ha- mm-hmm. f- rules of engagement in this uh, level of um, whatever socioeconomic class, and if uh, if if you care at all about the old rules of society, right? Um, which nobody should. But if you do, this is from Jack's perspective. You wait until I introduce you, but she had she sort of laughed and then interjected so she says oh hello uh this is Alyssa. we went to unity together oh it's my friend keely jones now keely just says hi and i was thinking does keely look ridiculous to jack at the, in in this one moment does she look th- looking through Alyssa's eyes does keely look preposterous i'm like it's it's kind of a lot that's going on with keely in this one little moment oh with the dress and all yeah, that yeah like mean, with the hat and the dress and I keely just see. goes hi that's it now she says keely runs a pr firm if you or your family ever need one this is who you want and if this you know anime clown dressed like julia roberts and pretty woman but you know anime um right. and she's like uh keely goes mm-hmm, that's me which is like okay th- it's like saying like uh I want you to meet my friend, Coach Bishop. He is the greatest conversationalist in the whole world. And we pivot to Coach Bishop, and he goes, Hello. Mm-hmm. hello. <laughs> you're like, okay. Right? She's a PR right. firm. Like, it's, it's all about public relations, and she has nothing to say. She looks like she's in a clown suit of, you know, if you look through Alyssa's eyes. And then Jack has this pained expression on her face after Kelly says, That's me. And Alyssa's like, Cool. Like, that you know will never okay like so it kind of downgrades Jack's stock a little bit in this one little. It's like wait what what's happening mm. Jack like and and then uh, people say Alyssa come on coming sis hurry up uh, fucking families another sort of goofy laugh from Keely uh, Alyssa says anyways nice to see you Jack you too and then this is an interesting thing okay oh oh God I already for- I can't believe I missed this. Keely shakes her hand, which I've told you before. Remember I said this, like, that's a dude thing? And that's, like, a very clear, like, oh, you fucked up. Instead of just being like, hello, and it's a, uh, it's like she shakes her hand. It's like, oh, you did say that. because yeah, we're yeah, both yeah. lumberjacks, apparently. And, you know, Alyssa will, will do it, but it's, it's, it's just like, I'm just saying. It's, none of these should be rules that exist in the world, but they do for Jack and Alyssa. Right, and right, Keely right, not right. knowing this, uh, no one, again... I'm I'm not saying this to say that there's a faux pas on Keeley's part. I'm saying this that it is a tool of the ultra wealthy to right. gate gatekeep. Right. And if you mess up any little bit of this, then they then you have outed yourself as unworthy and then they know it. And they're all raised this way and they all practice these customs and traditions and this is how they operate. Um it it, it has changed a little bit over the years, but it's still largely like this. Um and so uh, she's fucking families. And it was nice to see you, Jack. You too. And then Alyssa leaves with the perfect line, which is like, she doesn't say it was nice to meet you, Keely. It, she doesn't say like anything. There's an addresser with the name that she was given. She that was introduced as Keely Jones. She just goes, love the hat. Which can be taken two ways. Which can be taken, love the hat. Or it can be taken, I don't love the hat. <laughs> like, are you kidding me with right. that fucking hat? But like, it's like, bless your little heart kind of thing. Now, I took it that she meant it genuinely because she didn't seem like a terrible person to me she seemed like just kind of whatever i basically dated Alyssa's for most of my life and so oh, all that so, stuff so you have yeah, yeah. all kinds of insight into all this yeah, yeah 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 and there's just like all these like stupid little rules and it sucks but but in but i do <clears> like that she's like fucking families that she's a little like crass 
you know, that sort of thing is, is that sort of, that's a rarity in that sort of, uh, you know, that group. I, I, my experience of it, and that was, that's really interesting because there's no way I'm, I'm in on those rules. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's really interesting to me because I actually experienced Jack making it weird. Like, I, I didn't, I felt like Alyssa genuinely was like, hey, hi, what's going on with the suit? Wow, you two are done up. Like, I didn't really, I didn't take it as she was bringing that level of judgment or whatever. I, she probably doesn't need a PR firm. So there was nothing to discuss there. Like, I didn't, I guess I, I, maybe I was too focused on Jack, but my experience of it was if Jack hadn't semi panicked, that oh my god I'm being seen with the you know the internet whore. she the, the the interaction could have gone fine. Well, that's actually what I picked up on the most was at least that Jack was not facilitating an easy introduction. That he she made it weird for Keely by introducing Keely as her friend. That she didn't immediately introduce Keely like. It, I don't want to say that it's entirely gendered, but I do know that there are times where a woman will sort of walk the guy through the experience of, okay, so we're going to dinner here. You're going to need to get your suit dry cleaned, like wear your suit and tie. This is what we're doing. And men often are not able to do the same things for women in a lot of those ways. So seeing it between three women, like there is the the romantic aspect of it, but also it kind of turns into a who is helping who through this and who is making it more comfortable for everyone. I sort of agreed that Jack wasn't trying to make it uncomfortable, but it was her responsibility as the bridge between these two people to facilitate that. And she didn't. Yeah, no, she was terrible about it. And she didn't jump on it right out of the gate. Hey, how right. are you, Lisa? This is Keely. She, she's my hot, fire, hot girlfriend. And we yeah, dressed exactly. up ridiculously. So we get super hot for each other. And then we're going to go home and, and, um, you know, just get crazy naked. What are you up to? Like, what? Are, then all of a sudden, you know, and what I mean? at like, that point, she should be leaving because if anyone ever says that to you out in a regular conversation, you have to immediately turn around and never speak to them. It's so funny. That's really funny. Oh, God. We have a friend. We just had a friend who just did that. It was funny. Oh. It was a friend of mine visiting for my daughter's um, graduation party. And, and then he he's just a Hollywood guy, so he's just always joking around. <laughs> and then he just says, yeah, oh, hey, this is uh, – he's like, all right, me and my wife going to go have a lot of sex right now, right in front of the wife, okay. in front of whatever. And she's like, she's like, <laughs> we might have before that comment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the answer. Uh, yep. That's, but yeah, no, no. Jack is supposed to facilitate, and she didn't. And she also just had these looks of disappointment on her face, and like, oh shoot, I got caught calling you a friend, and I don't like that you caught me calling you a friend. Whatever it is, it was very layered. Um, and then she snapped. Even okay, there's a little beat right at the end too, where she says, "Love the hat." Um, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, and then this this beat where Jack just kind of studies Keely, and then she goes, "All right, let's make things a little more interesting, shall we?" Huh? I don't know. This is a very very strange strange scene. And I kept thinking, "Oh man, I wish um, we could have more Jack and Keely." That's funny. 
but I've, I'm it, listening to this now and thinking about some of the other conversations we've had, but always going to the kissing or, you know, making, you know, if things are uncomfortable or whatever. I, I feel like Jack orchestrates her life more so than lives it or orchestrates a relationship far more than connecting with somebody in a relationship. So that's why you got to come meet me in my plane so we can go see the Aurora Borealis. And I, you know, like it's, 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 um, she did not orchestrate this moment. She was going to introduce the girlfriend. There's a new problem with this internet video and she didn't orchestrate this. And so it's it's not, it's no good. Yeah. It it feels like she's doing a lot of Instagrammable relationship moments instead of just having actual relationship moments. That's a great point. You're right. Instagrammable. You're right. It is, it it is like sort of this staccato. It's not a through line. It's this, it's, it's little quick beats, which sometimes work out and sometimes don't to which she's gotten used to. And then she just moves on and buy and funds somebody else's company, you know, whatever. So yeah. Right. um, Jack feels like a character. Like I was trying to think Rupert, Rebecca, Jack. I was trying to think ultra wealthy characters you could find on Succession, and but I was like, even Rupert might not fully fit in there. Like maybe, but I don't know. Rebecca, I think I don't know. But I was like, oh, Jack, I could see seamlessly moving over because Jack just feels like um, like a creature of that world, even more than Rupert. Rupert, we know, came from nothing and made as a made man, so he's got to get credit for that. I'll always admire that more than uh, someone being born on, on third base and think they hit a triple. Um, but uh, yeah, you just have the sense that Jack really is locked into to the sort of rules and is very, very careful about, I mean, the entire thing we'll get to a couple scenes from now is, is her adherence to these strictures and, and her, uh, uh, she has zero desire to even risk, you know, any kind of contamination from, yeah. Why would you, right? Coaches like laughing. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, she's not going to, she's not going to mess that up. Okay, so uh, we have a little joke. Let's make things a little more interesting. Ten pounds a hole, but I'll spot you strokes. You're on, but no cheating. Then only a pound a hole. Okay. Um, uh, now, uh, Coach, can you walk us through this? We're cutting to the West Ham post game. You know, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn back for a second. I think it's it's really uh, no, you're really gonna noteworthy. turn back to the no, I am, to, I am, I am. I was I, I like, think, no no I think this is no I think this made is it through the mini golf scene. You see this? Actually, let me bring it on back to the. You see, you see. So here's what I'm saying. No, <laughs> now, but really, you want to say anything about the Christmas this, episode? Te- um, while we're <clears throat> don't you tempt me. <laughs> Come on. Don't you tempt me. <laughs> you. Boss is like, I don't, don't, do not, no, don't tempt him. I will, I will quit. <laughs> I will be done. <laughs> All right. I'm, my apologies. Go coach. No, no, no. So, so Keely is sort of as these characters are in terms of realizing themselves, living as themselves, fully themselves. Keely's been most that, and I think is potentially absolutely most that on the show. It's just somebody who shows up as Keely all the time. And I think it's noteworthy that even in this moment that was made weird, um, she would, she would of course be aware of the class dynamic. 
she goes straight to a joke that highlights what that uh, Jack is rich and she is not. And I think that's a very but don't you think, I think don't that's you some think, interesting communication right there. In unlike other relationships Keely has been in, Keely was front and center in Jamie's relationship, marched into the locker room. Roy featured her. He was like so proud. She was she was just like this real sort of important feature of the relationship. He worshipped her, he adored her. With Jack, I always feel like Keely is minimized and she's reduced. And she is this like sort of She's like a decorative item for Jack somehow, and it's and she's not really she doesn't seem to know how to be in the relationship. She's fighting from the beginning about being swept away. You know, she can't even have a fucking croissant without finding gold in it. Um, <laughs> you know, she's de- de- the, so one of the people is defacing uh, classical I- literature for for. What shock about you go girl? So like from the she's always she's on defense. Being... She doesn't like know who she is in this relationship. She's always and she didn't seem very Keely esque with when she met Alyssa, right? Like Keely's body and funny and outgoing and smart and capable. Well, I well hold on. So several points. First, I think she is being herself. She's not being treated like who she actually is. If she weren't, then she would go. She would have gone along with the getting swept away, and they wouldn't have gone to a taste of Athens. And right, like she keeps saying, "No, this is who I actually am," and that's and that's always that's at every turn when Jack has essentially said, "Well, don't be that way." She said, "Well, but that's how I am." So all right, we're coming. Not, we're say, you're, I love what you're saying, Coach. This is just your wonderful personality because you're saying she gets credit for fighting back because she does know who she is. And I'm saying, right. isn't it funny that she's in a relationship where she has to fight so much? She didn't have to fight like this with Jamie. Jamie was just thrilled but, to be with her. She didn't have to fight like this with Roy. Roy was just now she has to like really put up boundaries with Jack, and she has to really like she's almost silent. All she does is really laugh when she meets Alyssa. There's no she just kind of does these big laugh. If you watch the scene again, it's just laughing, and she doesn't really add much to the to the flow of the conversation. She doesn't well, say like she's not like she's a not really invited into one- the conversation. I know, but she's like, Keely you know fucking Jones. She's Keely fucking Jones is what I'm saying. And if Roy or Jamie were here, I guess what I'm saying is um, uh, I sound like I'm um, um, anti-same-sex uh, relationships is what I'm saying. But it's not what it is. It's, it's it, no, boss is not. That is what yes, you're saying. I think. Yeah, no, that was it exactly. That's it. Yes. I'm a terrible mm-hmm. person. That's not what I'm saying. I just want Jack to – I wish part of Jack just like really valued how awesome Keely is. And I feel like well, she keep, well, keep, well, yes, you know, no, like that, all the, that all can the be true, but I don't think, I don't but I think you have, you actually end, you have to actually date a person to see how it will go. And so she's having that process. She keeps saying, Nope, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Are you going to be what I tell you to be? No, I am not. And so that, so I, I, I don't understand I, to me. This is that process. Like what you're saying, she's going to decide. She's been putting down markers of like, nope, that's a boundary. So I don't think you just, it's just automatic. Right? I think we're watching the decision. It, well, I would say that I think we see both of them at this point sort of understanding that this isn't going to work out. I think that this more than anything else is the reason why Mm. I I don't think that the relationship was ever going to be long-term, but this moment more than anything else is where Keely fully understands that she is supposed to be 
an accessory in Jack's life that is incredibly well taken care of mm-hmm. and treated very well and gets to see spectacular things, but she is going to be an accessory and she doesn't want to be. And Jack is upset with her that she doesn't want to be. Right. And I think that that's the biggest disconnect is that Keely is repeatedly saying like, I'm an entire person mm-hmm. in the relationship. And Jack's like, right, but you just do what I want to. And then I buy you clothes. Like, why mm-hmm. isn't that good? Right. So I think, yes. I think both of you guys are correct. It's just, it's a weird way that it's lining up for them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm definitely more correct. Um, but it, it is sure. uh, a coach is shaking his head. Um, uh, one thing I'll say is uh, uh, the Keely Jones. Okay, there's this thing where I talked about uh, on the on the rapid response that there's a lot of hangups in this episode. It's like people are hung up on a lot of other people, and you see how you know Ted is hung up on Michelle, and or you know you see how uh, Roy is hung up on Keely, or you know whatever all the different little places where people are hung up. Um, one little thing that I want to just put on everybody's radar, and this is just a, a tiny little thing I keep noticing, is – and it feels accidental. It doesn't feel like intentional from the from the writing staff – is they've they've sort of like given us all this hope, that which kills you, um, about how great everyone's judgment has become. Like in, in a lot of ways, like people just make better judgments – and better sort of, and it's not from the same point of a curious versus uh, judgmental, just like, oh, it's just, a, you're just like kind of making a better call. Like, uh, like Jamie helping Roy ride the bike. And, you know, it's just like, just like, oh, these are just like, they show progress or whatever. But then we get like subverted because of judgments as well. And maybe that's part of the beauty of it. Maybe, you know, there's things that I lament. At the end of uh, this this uh, episode, there's things I lament at the end of the show where it seems like, oh, God, it was just like terrible judgment um, on the part of the character, not the part of the writers. Well, I mean, the writers making the character do it. But like so for this one, I go, we never really address the fact that Keely put herself in a very, very precarious situation by dating her boss. And we just never talk about yeah. it. We never yeah. we just gloss right over it. She she gave somebody way too much power in her life, and I think it's one of the reasons why I feel like she is somehow minimized or somehow um, less than in this relationship. Does that make sense, Coach? It feels like Jack does, has too much does. a disproportionate amount of power. Well, well, she does. I think I think Jack lied. I mean, basically, and I don't think Jack lied. Jack lied, right? I mean, it was oh, this is over here, and this other thing is over here. Right. So it's like it was never that. It seems to me. It seems, you know, if the whole point of this is essentially you'll be Rebecca and I'll be Rupert, it was never going to be that sort of like we have a business relationship, we have a personal relationship. One might work, but the other one's going to keep going. So, yeah, she did give her too much power, but I think Jack sold that it wasn't like that. Well, if we're talking about how the show handled this, is it any different from Sam dating Rebecca in season two? And the fact that That's true. Rebecca could ultimately decide to trade his contract the same way that she did Jamie's or cut Sam the same way that she could cut other other players. Like, this is true. are we going to say that Keely is a- as foolish for dating her boss as Sam was for dating his? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 
I do understand the oh. reasoning behind the fact that Sam is an up and coming superstar. Like we believe that that's where his career is headed after the fact. And that it would be a little bit more difficult given the PR market and how difficult it is to stay in that, that Keely might have more of an uphill battle, but we've also seen her excel in her role. So are we not supposed to expect that even if it didn't work out with her boss in this instance, is she going to get another backer? Is she going to get another funder? We've seen the same way that Sam would get her, uh, you know, pulled onto another team. Why am I not thinking the word here? I know sports. Traded? Side. There we go. Traded side. Yes. That he, he would be able to play football someplace. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, we've we've mentioned many times how how precarious it is to date uh, at work, boss. You've outlined many many points about this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, uh, I guess, I don't know. Maybe maybe it just doesn't bear discussing all that much, and maybe it's just a blind spot. Listen, if you if you step way back, you pull all the way back, and you say, you know, this is a beautiful show where they were trying to say nice things and they thought we need a few more same sex relationships because we've been awfully heterosexual up to this point. We're going to show a uh, uh, male uh, homosexual relationship with Colin. We're going to show a uh, relationship with Keely with another woman. Like, okay, so we're going to try to make, and we're going to try. I joked last episode. We, I, I got some, some uh, feedback on Twitter where they say, where I was like, I was joking, like lesbians, there's not even a dude in the relationship to screw it up. Like you got to be better than this. But yes, obviously they're trying to say like, it's realistic. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's, they're, they're just real people and they're real characters and it's real character building. And I guess I can appreciate that. Um, from one level, let me tell you a tiny little story. So there's a friend of Juliana. So Juliana is a Harvard graduate and coaches, by the way, is a Yale graduate. So I'm just surrounded by <laughs> absolute overachievers. Um, and um, one of her, when I first met one of her friends, it was her roommate of hers from Harvard. And uh, we were living in LA at the time and Juliana couldn't pick uh, this friend up at the airport. So I, she said, Hey, can you pick up my friend? I said, sure. So I picked, picked the friend up and then drove back to our house making polite conversation. She was very, um, I don't know what the term is like, very unimpressed by me, maybe whatever. And when we got into the, uh, hmm. when we got into the house, um, I was said, can I get you a drink? Can I get, you know, what I think is Juliana was still like finishing up a meeting or something. And she's like, if you don't mind, I would love to go whatever. So I was like, Oh, it was like, very, like, if you don't mind, I was like, all right, whatever. So then, um, <laughs> many years go by, but it's always been this, like, I don't think you're worthy of my friend. I don't think whatever. So cut to this, mm-hmm. this past weekend, Juliana and I had to go to a uh, memorial service in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where uh, a friend of ours, uh, father had passed and we, we went to whatever. Um, so this other friend of Juliana's is back there to get her MBA or something at Harvard. And so we, Juliana says, can we pop in and see her? So sure. She's got a new apartment. Let's see her place. So we go in there and I'm all decked out and I'm a bow tie wearer, um, especially because the guy that who had passed away was a real uh, clothes horse and just like an amazing guy. And he would have really appreciated me rocking a bow tie. So I, I'm in my suit with a bow tie and we get to her friend's apartment and she's love. She's very nice, very polite to me. And she tells me, um, 
you know, the place is hot. It's really hot. And I'm in a suit and I was like, whew, it is hot in here. There's no AC. And I said, listen, I have, we have some ACs at home, like window ACs. I could, we could bring them in. We can put them in for you. She said, no, I have one. I just don't know how to put it in. So I'm torn because I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> like I can just put this sucker in. But she already thinks of me as like a blue collar lug. You know what I mean? She just thinks of me as like, Eh. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. do I put it in and be generous? Right. Or do I just be like, do I say like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to whatever, because this is the socioeconomic kind of thing that we're, that we're dealing with. And uh, knowing me, you know what I did? I took off my jacket. I kept my bow tie on and I installed the thing at it. Of course. Yeah, in like what? Three minutes, 10 minutes, eight minutes, nothing. Um, and so the reason I bring this up is because I experience sometimes I experience that thing where Keeley feels where they say like, oh, you're not, you're just kind of not worthy or you're not sort of up to snuff. But I at least try to do something in that situation to inform the conversation, if that makes any sense. Like I'm, ma- I'm I feel like I'm have some agency and I'm making a choice. Now, granted, I'm a white man, uh, so yeah, I'm loaded with privilege and. Um, what are we talking about? White men, you know, just forcing their way like gorillas into whatever situation. I'm, I'm very, very aware of that. But I, I guess because I love Keely so much, I really wanted to see her kind of dazzle Alyssa or take do something to put, plant her flag in the ground. And I guess maybe what my big reaction to this relationship with Jack is, is that she doesn't seem to have these beats inside of the relationship where she is Keely fucking Jones. She's just sort of an appendage or a decoration or, or um, some uh, accoutrement that is part of Jack's life rather than an independent person of her own. It, um, uh, this is, this, this is to the side of what you, you just said, but I think, it, I think it relates. And I think, and, and the way you're framing this is interesting to me because it's almost, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, you know, having been a black kid sent off to Polytechnic Preparatory Country Day School, believe me, I was well aware that yes. I was not just representing myself. Like, there was no question I was told as much right. um, on several fronts. And there's a freedom when you decide, I'm not carrying all that. And it's a weird balance. And I don't know. I know I land in different places at different times with it. But there, but there's something to, to me to be said about, like, impress her for what? If I had something to do for her, I would do it. I didn't have anything else to say, so I didn't say it. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I'm not saying I've never done it. I guess I, but I respect being comfortable enough in your own skin that you're like, think I'm dumb. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You're wrong. So who's dumb? And there's a power to that. Yes, there's absolutely a power to that. And also there's something about saying like your dumb rules are dumb and I'm not going to follow them. Like, especially when I was in college and shortly after there was a lot of emphasis on how you present yourself I'm like, well, I'm not presenting myself. I'm being myself. And myself is like, I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to swear as much at work as I do other places because Jesus, I'd be fucking fired. But I will swear every once in a while because I could slip it in and be funny. I think 
what Castleton is talking about is that Keely Jones is a great woman and Jack does not make her a greater woman. Yes. I guess that is perfect. God damn it, boss. Why don't you just this 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 podcast would be like eight minutes if we just you just tell everybody why. If you guys just sat down and shut up. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you just sum it all up. That's that's exactly right. That's that's the thing I'm 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 seeing. Yeah. All right, coach. Can we finally move past the goddamn mini golf scene? You see? Do you see? Wait, wait, the, wait, wait. The, one, the, one, the one more. One more. One more. What I brought in. Yeah, go do it. Do it, boss. Do it. I'm sorry. That was just me being an asshole. I have nothing you, to you, say. You you were the one who wanted. Oh, we're gonna do the deepest of the deep dive, deep, deep, <laughs> deep, deep, deep dives. So hey, you're welcome. Goddamn it. Uh, all right, coach, you're up. Cut to the West Ham post game. Do it. All right. Uh, so we've got Roger. Great, great match, coach. Nate nods, doesn't say anything. His cell phone buzzes. He's got a text message from Rupert. Sorry about Ted being there today. Won't happen again. Um, he starts to respond. It's okay. I thought it was funny. Uh, then he remembers that he works with Rupert. And then he, t- er- he deletes that and says, good, thank you. And uh, sends that instead. And it seems a little, I mean, not a little, but it is on some level fake, right? Because obviously his natural response was not that. But I actually feel like if you go work for Rupert Mannion, you've decided to work for Rupert Mannion. Like, that's now what you're doing. Um, So I, I don't, I think actually the first response was the inappropriate one. Like that's that would have been crazy. You said I love that you're you're very okay on the on the rapid response. You were like, "Hey man, this is real. You you want to lose your job? You got to send that. That's the exact response you have to send." So you're you're, you're staying on message here. Yeah, no, you're very consistent. That's really that's admirable <laughs> for people with ADHD because we can be flighty <laughs> as hell. I can be on any side of any topic. Um, now we get uh, we cut to thank you, coach. Thank you for that. We cut to a busker singing "Take Your Mama" by Scissor 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 Sisters. Jesus Christ! Say that five times fast, boss. Go. No, thank you. Okay. Um, so uh, busker is uh, a word I hate, and I really hate it. Always hated it. So I looked it up. Uh, it was an itinerant entertainer in 1857 from busk, the verb busk, to offer goods for sale only in bars and tap rooms, uh, which is perhaps uh, also 1851, a term from busk, which is a verb to cruise as a pirate, hmm. uh, which was used in a figurative sense by 1841 in reference to people living shiftless and peripatetic lives. Oh, wow. I don't really know that word. Peripatetic. Huh. What's up now? Word of the day. Yeah, look at that. How about it? This is like a Reader's Digest uh, session here. So um, uh, there's also another uh, definition. Um, the verb to busk from the word busker comes from the Spanish word root word buscar, which meaning to seek, uh, which is, seems more interesting to me. Um, and evolved uh, in turn evolved from the Indo-European word. Uh, Coach, you want to pronounce that? I apologize. I was uh, looking up peripatetic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, good. Uh, Who's got a definition for peripatetic? The Indo-European word is budaksko, to win or conquer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let him have it. Let him have it, boss. 
It's uh, traveling from place to place, in particular working or based in various places for a relative short period. Oh, boom. Okay, so that's that's basically Babs. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Ah, great point. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we have this. Uh, so there's a little history of the etymology of the word busker. I just always, I'm always like busker. Uh, it seems like a cool life if you can do it. There was a show called Us uh, on Masterpiece. Did I ever have you guys watch that? It was like a – yeah, it was really good. Uh, it was like a PBS thing, um, and it was about a guy – it doesn't matter. It was a good show. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Ted Lasso podcast, but it was good. Um, okay, so um, uh, we cut to May uh, at the bar – and we have Ted, Beard, and Henry sitting out at an outside table, which I didn't even know they had at May's uh, pub. And um, Boss, walk us through this. May comes over and says, hello, my darlings. Ted says, hey, May. What have you three been up to today? And Henry says, we went to the West Ham game. Because of course he would. And, because and he of course the child shirt. would bust you out. Yeah, yeah. He, opens he shows shirt. off his shirt. Right. <laughs> And she says, then you don't drink in this pub. And Ted says, oh, hey, come on, May. And Beard says, he's a child. Not an excuse. You guys should have watched out for him then, in that case. If you're, if, if you're going to say it's not his fault, sure, of course it isn't. It's your fault, Beard. Should have been watching out. And it doesn't bother uh, and you I'm- at all, boss or coach, that May is this hard line? It's so tribal no. and it's so – I really hate it when she threw that other guy out, you know, where, where they – or she made Baz freak <laughs> right. out on his friend. And, right, and I right. hate the – you know the thing about uh, Hot Fuzz where I say, like, he's not even from round here, which, like, that's the worst possible thing. Like, he's not even from round here. Like, if you're from round here, that's job one. And if you're not even from round here, you can't be trusted. And I go, oh, it's just like the root of so many crappy things. And I love May. But I, sometimes I go, wow, man, just just take your foot I, off okay, the gas. Yeah, 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 you got it, boss. I feel like there's a slight difference between you're not from around here and you are not choosing to root for the team that I do. This is not like, oh, well, they're from the south side, so watch out. This is a, you do not go into a Cubs bar wearing a White Sox jersey, regardless. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, why, why not? Explain that to me. Why not? It's disrespectful to the establishment. You can go in there being a Cubs fan, but you cannot go into their bar and root for the opposing team. That is the disrespectful thing. It's the same way that um, Rebecca said, we'll release all of the tickets to whatever team it was, and, and uh, Rupert will hate that. Of course Rupert will hate that. It's so disrespectful to show up in their establishment and root for the person that will be beating their team. Absolutely not. You don't do that. You don't do that. And also, this is a, a more similar to uh, John Wings Night in season two saying that he roots for whoever's winning. Come no, on. no, you don't. You don't root for whoever's winning. You pick your team and you stick with them. That's okay. That strikes me as, um, oh God, this is so interesting. I want to do some, I really want to deep dive this because this is a, this is there's there's a nobility to that choice that people like you will say is like a fundamental thing like um like I, I, okay 
I'm, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I, I admit that I tend to root for the same teams, but I also have like in certain sports, I will, I will sort of wildly like in the NFL, if you have a good coach and a good quarterback, which might happen, like you might lose your coach and quarterback and they hire a new coach and, and he brings in a new quarterback. I might like hate a team one year and the next year think they're great and root for them. And so, but I don't feel any sense of, I'm not uh, betraying anybody or whatever if I like a coach and quarterback. And it, it feels like a pitfall. Like it's like the thing that has killed more people in Cleveland than cancer is rooting for the Browns. And I'm like, why? Why root for something that – why stick with it? What is the what is the rule? You are being mistreated. It's like staying in an abusive relationship because you're supposed to. And I'm like, wait, why? Why? What is the nobility of that choice? saying that you need to continue to like buy season tickets well after the bears have moved to fucking arlington or uh, not arlington whatever it is yeah the the suburbs they're basically going to become your friend who got married a few years ago and now they have two kids so they're moving out to naperville and you're never going to talk to him again because it's just too fucking far to go all the way out there that is what's happening with the bears that's exactly what's happening listen i'm not saying i agree or disagree i will say it is boss on motherfucking No, but I think there is an issue with it. It is one thing to get tickets to the stadium where your team is playing. There is absolutely no good reason for you to put on the opposing team, your your team's jersey, and go to an opposing team's bar to root for your team there. You could go root at your bar. There's no reason to do it. Okay. Um, we are on a, we are on a planet that is moving through space at 10,000 miles an hour, moving away from the big bang in an ever expanding universe. And you're telling me that I should waste any, any, any second of my existence worried about what rooting factor I am when I'm considering a a restaurant or a, but we could, but we could say that. But we could say that about anything, right? Yeah. I mean, we could say that about watching a sport in the first place. We could say that about playing any sport in your entire life. We could say, like, I yeah. think, and because I've actually thought about just what you put forth there, and I feel like the thing we can most do to honor this blip of a moment we have here is to experience it fully. And if somebody likes to fucking crochet mittens, I'm like, give that motherfucker yarn. Like, what's the problem? Like that, you know, so to me, if somebody's, you know, the people who waited for the Cubs to win, are you kidding me? Yeah. The the joy they experienced, you're not going to appreciate jumping around from all-star to all-star. That's when you you stick with your squad. My mother rooted for the Mets when they were fucking terrible. Then they won in 69 and then they just got terrible again right away. And by the time they won in 86... I was rooting for them for her. Like, it was like, we can do it. We can do it. And you just aren't going to get that bouncing around. So, yes, it can go left. I've been at Dodger Stadium and seen what seemed like just spontaneous combustion, a fist fight between a Dodger fan and a, a, a Giants fan. I still cannot tell you what in the world happened, and I was pretty much right there. Um, so it can get out of hand, to be sure. But I, I, I think that separate from some of what boss is putting forth. It's not that you just shouldn't go in there because they're going to beat you up. It's like, come on, man. Like, this is our locker room. Why don't you go be in your locker room? Yes. Yes. 
So I am a Sox fan. I've said that before. My The people that I love the most in the world, some of them are Cubs fans. When the Cubs won in 2016, I was secretly a little bit hoping that the Guardians would win because I like Cleveland and because it is Team Division League is who you root for. Team Division League. I had to a little wow. bit, a little wow. bit. Wow. A little bit. Some of your little favorite bit. people. Yeah. You root against some of your favorite people. I have so much respect for I have so much respect for you. This is amazing. I would what? absolutely never in a million goddamn years in game seven show up at any of their houses in a Guardians jersey and be like, let's go. Let's see what's up. What's No, when the Cubs won, I texted all of them and I said, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I'm so glad that they won. I hope you're all enjoying the shit out of this. I literally did. I texted multiple people and I said that. So when they won, Even I Even though minutes them. before you were rooting against them and didn't tell them that. I was did never, you say, I was hey, I'm act- really happy yeah. for you. I was totally I was happy for them. it wasn't going to happen. I was rooting against you because I'm a shit heel. But it worked out well for me either way, because either I was like pretty happy about it or a lot of my friends were very happy about it. So it, it it wasn't even that big of a deal. But here's what I will say. If it had been for some god awful reason, because God needed to destroy Chicago, if it were ever the White Sox and the Cubs in the World Series, I would root forever for the White Sox. Fuck my friends. Fuck my college roommate. I'm sorry. I am rooting for the goddamn White Sox. But I would not go into their bar in the Jersey because it would suck for the people there. It's not about like they're going to be mean to me. It's that they would either be feeling shitty because their team just lost. And I'd be like, Woo-hoo, fuck, yeah, suck it, bitches. Or I would be having the same feeling that they would because I'd be in their goddamn bar with my fucking Jersey on. What up? What up? This is about respecting people. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? it yes. Is it, though? Yes, absolutely. No, it's absolutely. not. Absolutely. Uh, it absolutely is. It 100% is. If I were invited to a game with a team that I didn't care for, but I knew everybody else was going to be wearing a jersey, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's goddamn go the Vikings. If everybody uh, that I was there with was rooting for the Vikings, I would not show up in a Bears jersey. I would not do it. What I'm, what I'm asking, listen, I, I, I root for my hometown teams. I'm a, very, I'm a diehard fan. Um, of uh, I guess of some basic. I, uh, I'll never root against the Boston Bruins, for example. Um, that doesn't mean I don't like other teams. Doesn't mean I don't root for it. when the Bruins were eliminated in the most heartbreaking loss this season. I picked other teams and I started rooting for them, and I was enjoyed because I love the game and I love great hockey, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. Now, what I'm at trying to get to is if you will humor me and and pull back a tiny bit. Let's take you out of your local um, fucking bumpkin existence. <laughs> sure, and, sure, yeah, yeah no. This I'm is sorry. totally um, curious. This way totally back. curious framing. Way back. Sure, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Pull way back with me and just say, like, okay, why is it more noble to suffer with one team than to John Wings Knight around? Like, because we, we collectively all agree, seem to agree on this. I mean, or at least most people do. And and there's like some, and I use the word nobility. There's some no nobility in the suffering. Like I, as a Red Sox fan, did not ever root for another baseball team, and still to this day have not. But I rooted for the Red Sox when they lost in '86. I was I was there when when Coach is jumping around and happy for his mom, thrilled for his mom. 
okay. um, with the Billy Buckner play, right? And I am dying. And then uh, years later, we finally get off the schneid and, and beat the Curse of the Bambino. And it was it felt even that much more magical because we did it. Okay, so that's great. But why is it important to do that? Why is that such a – why do humans put such a value on that uh, loyalty even when it is self-destructive and abusive and one-sided? Well, well I, think, I think we have to learn how to harness the instinct that, I, I, that has served us and, frankly, saved us, which is to be that way. To, to, to form yes. a tribe, to travel from here to there together, to, right, to, now, has it led to all sorts of awful things and fighting over, you know, patches of land? Absolutely. But the fundamental instinct to form groups, to, to have an identity within your group, that, I don't, I don't see that in itself as an inherently bad thing. I used to tell people all the time with kids that I was working in the program, it's like, listen, on a lot of levels, I'm doing the same thing the gangs do. I'm just trying to get them to live a better life. Yeah. Right? We're part of something. Look how hard you have to work to be in it. There's nobody who does it the way we do it. We're the greatest ever. People going to wish they were part of this. It's the same discussion. It's just that I'm doing it in the name of let's build you up to be a better student. You know, but it's the same thing. Yeah, I think that even part of what is great about Ted La- the lasso way, the lasso method is that he says everybody on our team is going to be given a certain amount of respect, understanding, compassion. We are going to try to build each other up and make everybody the best that they can be. And he eventually extends that out into the fans and the fans are allowed to come into the stadium. And then Rebecca extends it further by saying, you are now owners of this team that you care about. And we are going to make everybody in here better. And everybody's going to be respectful to each other. And we are going to try to be better than we could be by ourselves. And Rupert is fucking not part of that. Rupert is a wanker who's going to get kicked out. So I think that there is something about like, we want to extend that group as far as we can. But we also do need to recognize when there are people who are not going to make that method can work, that Rupert is not going to be conducive to the lasso way. And so we need to say, this is what our team stands for and what we do. And if you guys want to do something else, that's fine. But if we come into conflict, we are going to hash out who is better at this. And also, I think that as much as the Bears will continue to break my heart because they can't fucking figure out how to get a goddamn quarterback who's worth his shit. As much as they might hurt me, it isn't actually abusive. Like, I could leave at any point. I don't need them for anything. It's I enjoy the thrill of it and everything else that goes along with it. it but I don't owe them anything and they don't actually owe me anything other than the love that I want to give to them. So, so wow, doesn't bother you. Just you. Made like a stack of, you just made a stack of good points. But, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, coach. No, yeah, I was just saying, does it bother you that Beard wears his Richmond kit inside West Ham then? Because you said it's bad for Yeah, him. no, no, no. He mean well, he, he means it. Like yeah, he's he, not no, he stumbling in there. He yeah. means let us be clear. <laughs> yes. I'm standing here because I the, the life has led me to a moment where I have to stand here, but let us be clear. I am not here for this. Um. Yeah. But yeah, boss. You were going to react to it too. And, and no, just that there is a difference between. Also, it's difficult because in this case, it's so personal for Beard, and 
Nate hurt Ted and Beard as Ted's enforcer more than anything else. Like that is what he's there for. So for him, this was a declaration of war. That guy that Baz was friends with who was st- coming into May's bar and was like, oh yeah, we're all, we're going to root for both sides and it's going to be okay. No, 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 no. If, if he were coming in and saying like, let's fucking do this, that might've been a different feel the way that Beard was, but he was coming in saying, I'm just going to grab some chips and a pint and hang out and watch the, the match. No. Not in May's beard. Bar. Not in May's beard. Not not beard not in May's beard. Hmm. I mean, obviously there can't be too much of a spin-off because Beard does marry Jane, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um so so no problem with May punishing Henry. Well, no, listen. I mean, I think in real life like Ted and and Beard, I'd be like, come on, man. You know, like, I get it, but, you know. You know. Um, so why is there a line I there? Think- because the child doesn't know better, hasn't been properly indoctrinated into the tribe yet to know the methodology of exclusion. Yeah, I mean, don't you? Yeah. I mean, even yeah. if I have, if yeah. I have yeah. a friend, no. yeah. if I have a friend who um, I'm trying to, come, actually, if I uh, if let's say I have uh, uh, a family member who I'm not getting along with, but they've got kids. When I see their kids, I'm still gonna play with their kids, right? I mean, as long like as long as that's not gonna be a problem. But you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna the kids ain't gonna like to me. It's like the kids ain't got nothing to do with it. So I I could see people being like, all right, that's fine. The little kid for whoever you know or. You know. Coach, on the rapid yeah. response, you said, I have a cousin who I want to shoot into the sun, but if his kid showed up at my door, I would hug him and kiss him and bring him in because kids get an exception. Kids get a pass. They don't, it's not, you don't want to burden them with all this stuff. Yeah. I hey, also, I would like to, I would what? like to point out that. What? What'd you say, Coach? <laughs> I said, here I am again, huh? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying that's what, right? You that you still that's still your feeling. Yeah, yeah. The kids, the kids are yeah. exonerated. Yeah, that's why I was from... laughing. Okay, All but right. yeah, they, they leave the kids out of it, man. You know, they well, they almost it... certainly didn't have anything to do with starting whatever it is, sports teams or otherwise. Well, I would like to also point out that what May says is, "What have the three of you been up to today?" And Henry is the one that answers. But what she says then is, "Then you don't drink in this pub, the three of you." She is not I like singling out uh, Henry to ridicule him. She's saying if you right adults that, took that actually. poor child yes, he's to a around. West Ham game, you, then everybody leaves. I, and I what think, crime did they commit again in May's eyes? Going they went to, to they a went, West Ham game. Man. They attended an, a game of another team. Yes. Did they? Did they yes. take May with? Did they force May to go with them? Did they? Did they rave? Were they raving about their favorite person, Rupert Mannion, the owner of? What, I mean, what? What was the crime? So I feel like what I want, the, the real answer I want to give you is that on the wire, McNulty is at a fancy dinner party because he is, I think, sleeping with a politician of some sort. I can't remember who he was there with, but a woman. And he goes to the bar and he says, I'll take a Jameson. And the bartender says, we've got Bushmills. And he says, Bushmills? That's Protestant whiskey. 
Jimmy McNulty was born and raised in Baltimore. He has never lived in Ireland. None of his relatives live in Ireland. He has fuck all to do with the troubles that happened in Ireland when he was a literal child. It does not matter. But he will fucking not drink Bushmills, even though it's a superior whiskey to Jameson, because Bushmills is Protestant whiskey. It doesn't make any sense. But given the scope of how much does it matter that he won't drink Bushmills? Probably he shouldn't be drinking Jameson either because he's an alcoholic and he's fucked up his entire life. Like, this is a thing that he is standing on. And you support the choice. This seems like yes. a, you like – this is your your take on things is, is a person has to have a line. You draw that line, you step on one side of it, and then you stay there. Yes. And I think uh, I am coach, with uh, coach. coach. Come on. I'm, I'm trying with so hard to drive a wedge between you and coach. And and he wants no. to, but he's a gutless. He's a gutless cow. You should see him opening his mouth to go, no, no, no. That's actually, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that, boss. But look at him. Don't you smile at me, coach. That million dollar. <laughs> I have a response. You were tossing it to boss. I, I will yeah. respond. <laughs> The only thing I was going to say is that the more ridiculous, the like, the smaller the hill that you die on, the more I love it. If you're like, absolutely That's fucking right. not, am That's I right. ever going to eat Pizza Hut in the rest of, for the rest of my life? Because they gave me a shitty pizza one time. I'm like, great. I am. Fuck Listen, Pizza for the Pizza Hut. Okay, for the, yeah. yes, for the yeah. point of comedy, I stand at my front door when my nieces and nephews come over. And so I hate Crocs. Just hate Crocs. Hate them. Hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. Doesn't, not something anyone needs to hate, but I hate Crocs. And so when my niece's nephew come in, they take their shoes off and they come into the house. And then I open the front door and I kick the Crocs out of the house for no other reason than I have drawn a line at Crocs. Okay, there's nothing really wrong with plastic shoes. I mean, if you if you like that sort of thing. Um, but right, I, I can uh, for the purposes of comedy. Uh, yeah, I can draw a line, but I also, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, hold it against someone if they, if that's, I don't know, if that's, that's they go the other direction. I, I don't know. It feels like this is very, very anti lasso way. May's take on it and your defense of it seems very much judgmental and not curious. Seems like the well, epitome of judgmental. Well, I, I think, too, there's something around, um, and we talk about the smaller the hill and so on, there's something around, I don't think, you know, anyone's saying, hey, if, you know, the opposing team wins, let's go, you know, firebomb their bar, right? Like, I think exactly. the, 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 the stakes... Part of what I think actually works about it, as I'm now thinking about this conversation, part of what I think works about it is it is high stakes in terms of our emotional journey with it, but it's not high stakes in that no one needs to die. So when we have in at Dodger Stadium, you know, a bunch of guys beat, uh, you know, beat a Giants fan, it's like, all right, we have we have lost the threat now. Like, this is not. This yes, is too much. Absolutely. This is shit talking to the car and everybody gets in their car and goes home and wakes up tomorrow and realizes how much they spent on beer. Like that, you know, like you guys took you guys made it a different thing. So I would say that the higher the stakes, the more important I think it is in terms of like the world, right? Like I think the more important it is for us to try to figure out ways to um 
you know, bring walls down and that kind of thing. In some cases, actually, you know, tear that wall down. But I, but yeah, I think there's a I think there's a fun to this. I mean, I turn on a game I have no stakes in. Usually, I choose a team that's down. And now that's yes. my you know that's okay, my coach, team for the coach, next two hours. Coach grew up with the most diehard Giants fan you'll ever meet, and he was you were with were you with? No, no, I don't know. I'm trying to remember if you were there at my house when the Patriots lost. Oh no, 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 no! Because you invited me, and I was like, oh no, sir. Right, I was right. like, I'm not going to be there for this coronation. No, no. Oh, I remember a, saying that to you. What I was a like, terrible, no, no, no. terrible. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Coach Grove, he's the biggest Giants fan. Are you right now currently a Giants fan, Coach? I am not. Okay, and was it a huge, huge, yes. huge decision for you to move yes. on from the New York Giants? Yeah. Okay, and why it's, was it such a big deal? What, what, why was it so powerful? It was a huge – and it's, it's hard for yeah. even those of us who know you to think of you as not being a right. Giants fan. Um, so much of – what I tie to football is tied to watching the Giants in that 80s time come together. A lot of what I love about football, the way I love defensive football, all these things like are very much informed by that team. Um, even one year for my birthday, my uh, my wife got me a Carl Banks jersey and she was like, I hope that one's okay. And I was so excited because anyone might get a Lawrence Taylor jersey. Everybody knows Lawrence Taylor, but who Carl Banks was a bad boy, man. And, you know, people don't talk about Carl Banks like that and they should. So I felt like, oh, it's amazing. So like I had these like strong emotional experiences with these guys and how I wanted to be as an athlete and in some ways as a person. And so, yeah, it's more than just like, it does become a real relationship and the ups and the downs of it and games they've blown where I just like, I remember one year they gave up a bunch of points in the playoffs to the Vikings. I was visiting uh, at my, uh, my wife's uh, family's house. They had all gone out. I'm watching the game. They gave up the lead, lost the playoff game. I turned off the TV, turned off all the lights and went to bed. It was like five o'clock. And that's just how it is sometimes, man. You know, I just I needed a moment, but th- but that means that when they win, you know, in 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 '07 or whatever, that means I get to have that elation too. I get to have that moment. Yes, I I think, and I'm not sure if Castleton is trying to get us to discuss this or if he genuinely wants our take on this. Like, I can't tell how much this is Castleton. Not devil's advocating, but sort of a little. But the thing is, the things that we value in having a favorite sports team are things that we value in having in relationships. So you are loyal, you are consistent, you are kind Mm. to the people that you care about, you give them your time and your energy and your emotions, because this is in the same way that you would some friends or family sometimes like, but it is done in this way where it's extremely cathartic and incredibly low stakes. Like when the White Sox won the World Series, I loved the shit out of it for the playoffs and the parade. And I went downtown and I fucking screamed at John Garland because he was my favorite player and I loved him so much. And then like a month later, I got to be like, oh, that was fun. And, and it's done now. Like I didn't have to go to war. 
I didn't have to get married. I didn't have to do anything huge. I just got to love the absolute shit out of everything that was happening because it was a magical goddamn season that ruined um, Don't Stop Believing by Journey for a large number of Chicagoans because they hated it being associated with the sock so much. Like I got to enjoy all that shit. And then also I got to put it away and it wasn't impacting my life on a day-to-day basis. But you're not a huge fan. So what about the people whose lives it does affect? What about the domestic violence that happens when someone's team loses because they only because they only root because their their identity is so locked up in the success or failure uh, with a parasocial relationship for a team that they can't um divest themselves they cannot uh distance themselves from an outcome and it affects their daily mood you're a very casual fan to the point where you couldn't even remember the term traded or it's true right so, true. so like you you might not be the best uh, listen, and listen, well, there's, been a, wait, wait, there's wait. been a ton of scientific research about why we do certain, why do we root for underdogs? You know, why, and, and it's schadenfreude. And why do we root for, it's like consistently happens that humans root for underdogs. Why do we, uh, part of, part of the reason where we have these rooting interests is because whether or not you need to believe that the world is just. Which is a fascinating concept if you pull way back and you say, do I mm-hmm. fundamentally believe in a just world? And and that uh, whether or not there's a there's a higher power or not, or whether it's just the universe and how the, how the universe spins, whatever it is, do I, I – I need to believe in a world that's just and therefore I need to believe that my suffering, my long-term suffering will – will pay off at some point. And so whatever, all what are all, all of these dynamics, there's, there's been a tremendous amount of research gone go gone into um uh why people have rooting interests and, and how they do it. I I I I just sometimes wonder and, and for some reason it gets localized on May for me because she does those things where you go, wow, like she really is very serious about you can't even walk in with another jersey. That's like that feels like a sacrilege. And I go, I mean what if they're but the, I, yeah, but what again, if they're the best I, I person think ever? What are the what are the what are the real stakes for that guy? Like the real stake I mean, all right, so he didn't get to, you know, hang out there. Like what are the I think that the again, that's what I'm saying. Like to what end are people taking it? How are they like even the point about and you're right, I mean, I, I, my understanding is there is no day of the year where more Americans report domestic violence than Super Bowl Sunday. I, I believe that is true. Um, and so, you know, football fans got to own that. I, th- I would add to that though, that just like it ain't that the meatloaf wasn't hot. It ain't really. Yep. Yep. The, the game either. And and so sometimes I think yes we do have these things that get, people get charged up and, and testosterone up watching the game and, and, and scream, you know but you know I am depending on who you are I am not fun to watch a football game I care about with like seriously and I that's never made me like turn it off and be like all right mm-hmm. somebody's getting their ass beat you know like come on. You know, so I, I so yes, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's something that we need to look at and figure out how we get there, and maybe tr- teach people more effectively. Like we have to have a line we won't cross. That's how this works. Like it's part of why they had the Olympics in the first place, right? It was like, hey, instead of us killing each other, why don't we just get together? You know, wrestle naked. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure why that was the answer, but you know, 
I'm not here to yuck anybody's yums. I'm just saying I could have thought some other events. But uh, <laughs> that's why I was there, man. Yeah. A little history yeah, moment. I, I think that saying that somebody might beat their partner because of a lost game is the same thing as saying we need to outlaw all alcohol because some people might beat their spouse after getting too drunk. Like you blame the spouse beater. You do not blame the booze. Lots of people have booze and are fine all the time. And also when it comes to May, uh, I will remind you winning does matter to them and it matters to me. And that's okay. Ain't that right? May. She's repeatedly said, when Richmond sucks, my bar doesn't do well and I don't make money. And she would be invested in her own livelihood. And whether that means that she needs to say, like, this is Richmond's bar and fucking nobody else comes in and roots for another team in Richmond's bar. If that is because of her paycheck, I will support her on that. I'm over here in the jury box taking furious notes. You better you better get on it. You better get on it, counselor. I am over here scribbling furious notes. We gonna be home by dinner. What did May say? She Dude. she said like we have to put cardboard in the meat loafers. Is that what she said? Yeah, in the uh, sausage. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, sausage. Yeah. yeah. And I like I I understand what you're saying about <laughs> That's like not feeling. I will. So, no, but so I understand what you're saying about her and that that might be troubling and that this is a comedy and it's supposed to be a very heartfelt, heartwarming comedy and I understand that. I will point you to Welcome to Wrexham where Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds poured enough time and energy and money into the Wrexham team that it revitalized the entire community. And that the guy who ran the bar where everybody would watch the Wrexham game said, having this here, having them win, having this become important has changed my life. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm shaking my head because what did I say about that show, boss? You know what I said about that show. That it makes you cry because it talks about men loving each other and how and how you become friends through sports because toxic masculinity refuses to allow men to just express their feelings. Boom. Naked wrestling. Yeah. 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 Oh, wait, that's what I said about it. Sorry. Remind me about what you said about it. I want to be honest. I've never liked the two of you less than this episode. (laughs) God damn it! I even referenced McNulty. What more do you? I do love McNulty. Um, Everybody does. I do not want to want to cotton to any any maligning of McNulty. Um, No, listen. I said about Welcome to Wrexham. It's like the first time I've ever been legitimately jealous, like like envious of somebody else's life. Because I'm like that. You did say this is my. Like there's a lot the people that know me will say like oh yeah he, he whatever if you put me in a situation it tends to be I'm gonna we're gonna find a way to have fun. Like if if I'm in the room, we're gonna try to have fun with whatever the situation is. Just how I am, and my and your my friends will tell you. Um, But if we can do some good while we do it, if we can do some like legitimate good, like I saw them take a sports team and rebuild a community, and I thought, oh my god, that is so exciting to me. It's like the one of the greatest things I've ever seen on television, and to watch it like in you know in living color, you just go, oh my god. And those people weren't lying; those people were a hundred percent. On board, and, but 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 okay. That that feels like a different argument to me than, um, and if if another uh, f- you know group of of uh, whatever someone wears a different jersey to that in Wales, 
that you would beat them up or you would exclude them or whatever. I just feel like I think I'm I'm but I as think the older I get the less I like them. I guess the older I get the less I like the it feels um it feels petty in a way that I think the lasso way would counsel against in general. But but I don't know man. I feel like that's part of what Ted had to embrace to get to total football as well is like yes of course the 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 greater point is to help people be better but you have to be playing to win to get all the other stuff if you're not committed to it you don't get the other stuff Absolutely, but, but there's no that part of total football. True, there's no part of total football. Okay, if that if Ted is behind the bar at May's Pub, and the dude from West Ham walks in, Ted greets him, gives him a beer, and goes, "How do we incorporate this guy to make our team better?" There's no part of the Lasso Way or total football that isn't about equality, uh, protection, interdependence. Whoa, 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 front, whoa, whoa. You know, like whoa, there's no whoa, part whoa, that's whoa, exclusionary whoa, whoa. or. Wait, 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 wait. Of course it is. They are, we are Richmond, yes, and yes, we are here to yes. kick everybody else's ass. When he won eight in a row, he wasn't like, you know, we really ought to, you know, make sure somebody else gets some motherfucking wins around here. No, fuck those motherfuckers. We are here to play and win. When they won, we took our loss and went the fuck home. Now it's their turn to lose, but we are Richmond. Yeah. We're Richmond I, I mean, till we die. That They sing yes. that. Yeah, so do yes. you. Badly, I might yes. add. Both of you no, at the yeah, end well, of every that's, episode. No, that's me. No, 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 no. Bishop sounds great. Bishop sounds great. I, I, I come on. Um, oh. But no, like what you are then saying is what we are going to do is number one, incorporate other teams fans into our mentality about what we're doing with our team and how we need to behave in order to reach our potential, which I don't know why we would do that. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. You're also saying are you going to, are they going to stay fans of their team? And then you're going to somehow incorporate that aspect into it? No, 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 no. You're reading oh, into like, it more than what I'm saying. I'm saying what? like, if, if Ted has a ability to take a player and then turn him around and make him part of the, uh, the assumption I'm, that I'm saying is if you're already on the inside, not like, oh, let's go out and share the, 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 the Champions League trophy with every team. I'm, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm saying obviously a team, a, you know, we're, we're talking about an organizational structure. Yes, it's us versus them. I'm, I'm not talking about that. This is not, May is not part of an organizational structure. Just, yes, she is. Her bar. Yes, yeah, her yeah. bar that is related to the Richmond team that but, is very closely tied to the Richmond team. But also, though, I think to you, the you're right. of a child. You're, you're, but you're, but you're, but wait, 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 wait. Okay. I understand why you're saying that is extreme. I do understand that. But I think your 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 fr- the your framing of it doesn't in my it, it, the way I'm seeing it doesn't honor that there is this cultural piece and it is something that brings people together at its best. Um I was watching the uh Bad Boys documentary you know, a couple of years ago and listening to Jalen Rose introduce it and talk about driving toward downtown, you know, and then as they won people stopping on the highway and getting out and dancing, like you ain't going to get that. If like this year I, wrote, I root for Indiana, this year I root for Minnesota, like that. 
and that and and those moments can impact people, can impact the way they feel about their city, can and maybe it shouldn't, but I think it can impact the way they feel about themselves. Just like when we went with Roy and um we went to to visit the school with with Ted and Roy and 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 he said, you know, but I saw our team and I never thought we'd win a game, much less the championship. They all cheered. What they all cheer for? They ain't fucking play. Because our school won. We won. And there is a value to the we part. And I, we have to manage that, right? So, like, even on the field, there, you have root. Oh, damn it. I almost said something that's going to happen later. There's right, only one that. game. Yes. There's only yes. one yes. play. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but really, I feel that. I feel, and I, I do think there's some good, if you can decide, it, people who ha, are patriotic, that's not the same as xenophobic. Patriotic, I don't really have a problem with. Correct. Xenophobic, yep. now we got a problem. And I think that's what we're kind of dancing back and forth on as we're talking about fandom. Now, is not serving them because they went to the West Ham game more close to xenophobia than, yes. And the stakes are such on something like that that I would laugh. If I went to some place where Red Sox fans were and had my Yankee whatever because I happened to have had it on and they gave me shit and they were like, we're not giving you any beer tonight or whatever, I would laugh. Like, that would be funny to me that that's... Because, like, what, am I going to die if I... Like, I mean, it's... it. Sure, it's extreme, but it, it's funny in that it's part of the game. It's part of that game. It's part of giving each other to trouble and and yes, versus them. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. It, it, no, no, no. I it, absolutely right. I think that also. Do I believe that May would say the coach and assistant coach and the head coach's son of the Richmond team are never allowed back in my bar? No. I believe that she was giving them shit for doing something that she found unacceptable and in a small way modeling for Henry the behavior that actually I understand why you went to a West Ham game today. Don't do that again. Like, I don't believe that she really would have kicked them out of the bar. I think that if she wanted to do that, she wouldn't have started to dramatically walk away with all of the drinks. I think she would have really said like, no, out. This is more like the shit talking that happens at times. I didn't think that this was... Mm, mm. Sorry, Henry. Yeah, you're sorry, right. yeah. sorry, Prince Henry, because that's what she called him at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode. Sorry, Prince Henry, I don't like you anymore. I thought this was more like, this is how you were a football fan, and I'm going to talk shit about this decision you made. Mm-hmm. Oh, how quickly the monarchy tumbles. Um, may- we can only hope. <laughs> we, we, we say, uh, come on. Can I just tell you this? Every time somebody says King Charles, I think they tell him the joke. I'm sorry. Oh, I know yeah. he waited. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fucked up. But he waited all this time to get his title, and now every time I hear it, I'm like, <clears throat> "Who? Who? What? Who? You mean um, Prince Charles? It, I feel like they should call him King Prince Charles, so I'll know who they're talking about." So, hey, uh, King Prince King Charles Pr- said, "King Prince Charles is pretty good." Um, when I said something to the boyfriend about how the Queen had passed, and so now. Charles was going to uh, be the monarch or whatever. I can't remember how I said it exactly, but he was like, oh, Queen King Charles? No, that's not that's not right. That sounds weird. Queen, <laughs> Queen Charles? Queen no. Charles. 
Queen Charles. Um, also, I would like to mention bon- I Bonnie Prince out. Charlie. Exactly. So um, my older sister has a neighbor or a friend. I can't remember who it is, but they have a dog named Charles, Charlie. And when the dog had his birthday, because sometimes white people throw dogs birthday parties. I don't understand. I've been to one of those. That. that was crazy. It's so weird. Man. I don't understand it. It's fine. Um, they did get him a crown and upgraded his title to King Charles. So now he is that. Next so he's not even the first King Charles. That's a damn. No. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. King Charles the third. Damn. Make- I know. I know. It makes no sense. I just like that Camilla is the queen. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The number of side chick jokes I experienced Ooh. on social media. It was like, wow. It was like there was a joke writing workshop online. Yes. It was like yes. unbelievable. I think we Hanging really need side a, we need like a Broadway level musical charting oh Camilla's rise to greatness. Through. You know what? That is not a bad He's, idea. I know. Is, I know. No, no, for I'm real. Like, you. seriously, we that's, edit that's this funny out. as shit. We should, I know. I'm just saying. Like, she did it. She. There is no bigger success. Yeah. She did I mean, it. that's what stories are about. Status change. I mean, talk oh about status God. change. Jesus. I mean, the, the thing for me, though, number one, now anytime any British person tries to talk shit about the U.S., I, I am not that patriotic. But some Liverpool asshole says anything about America, and I'm all USA. You, you, you bitches have a king. You have a king still. Don't talk shit to me. You guys have a king. And the fact that Camilla is like the most famous, important woman in all of the UK and wears the shittiest jumpsuits and house coats I've ever seen in my entire life makes me so happy. She's the fucking queen, I, and she wears the worst shoes I've ever seen. I uh, yeah, this is what everyone was making fun of how tawdry the coronation. Whatever. I, I didn't watch it. I don't care. Ooh. I actually uh, I don't have any beef with any. Uh, but I don't think Prince Andrew is good. But other than that, like I really just don't take sides, mm-hmm. and I don't like whatever. And I I generally good. just say I don't give a shit about it. But I tend to probably like everybody more than everybody else does. I just just hope it all works out and just want to be not in my kitchen um but uh but yeah i saw a lot of a lot of reports that the the they spent a trillion dollars on the whatever on the coronation and it looked like it was shot in like a 70s living room or whatever which i'm like i hope they put some like funkadelic music over the top of it and remix it oh my god and make it (laughs) make it what it all should have been but um all right i think we should probably get back to uh to May. Oh shit! This is a yeah, podcast. Yeah, but we should do that. It sounds good. Ted says, "Hey, come on, May. He's a child," um, and she sets a milk in front of Henry. And I just want to say, it's the biggest damn milk I ever did see. Yeah, and I was like, "Good God!" If you are lactose intolerant, like I am, that milk is like an execution. <laughs> That's May gets her. <laughs> she gets. I, I look at that that milk and I tremble. I just go, oh my god, that is, that's like taking a legitimate Macedonian era bronze spear and sliding it into my gut slowly for seven hours. If I drink that milk, that is horrendous. Um, anyway, she walks away taking the beers with her, and then we get a great line: "Hey, hey, May, May, May." Um, and Beard says, "What, boss? We've called this out before, but I just love this line." 
You think I wanted to fucking be there? Yeah. It's up there with uh, get the fuck out of my chair. Yeah, it really like it's really like you really get the essence of beard. Um, Coach called out a great moment in their rapid response where he says, yeah, Ted looks at Henry, kind of winces and waves it off. Like, yeah, you know, don't uh, that's not we're not let's let's erase that. Um, May says, you two are on probation. Yes, ma'am. Fair enough, because they know they're not going to do it again. What do they care? Um, now, uh, coach walk us through the rest of this. So Henry says, dad, dad. Yeah. From Ted. Uh, listen, Ted says what singing continues there. Uh, the, uh, busker is singing, um, Hey Jude. Yeah. He started Hey Jude. The yeah. Beatles. Um, so you know, he's uh, tickled by that. Henry says the Beatles. Ted says, oh, yeah, they have that chuckle. Then his cell phone buzzes and he says, hey, you know what? I'll be right back. Um, Beard sort of watching this as uh, as 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 Ted scurries away from his son, basically. Ted, hey, boss, what do you got for me? Uh, we go back and forth, but between them, Rebecca says, right, Ted, listen, I want you to know you do not have to go down this road. Um, with all the stuff that we did around, um, the Wizard of Oz, that's pretty cool. Just, just jumped out yeah, at me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, yep. Um, yep. but yeah, I know, but I need to, okay? Cause right now, Michelle and this Dr. Jacob fella could be sitting there having dinner at one of her favorite Parisian hotels, like the George Sank. George Sank. Yeah, Sank. Rebecca Crackson. Or the Plaza Anthony. Athene. Right. Um, and then she says, her favorite hotels in Paris? I thought you said she'd never been there. Yeah, she hasn't. But the George Tank. Sank. Is her favorite movie, is from her favorite movie, French Kiss, and the Plaza Anthony. That time he says, and Fernie. Which is like, he say, like Anne Hardaway. Yeah, That's funny. Yes, like Anne Hardaway. He says it. That's but really they, funny. it didn't make it didn't into the. It, well, it didn't make it into the captions. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, again. I didn't catch that. Um, that's from her favorite TV show, Sex in the City. Sex and the City. Um, I just want to interject here, super fast. Rebe- Remember when I said like uh, Altered Carbon? Um, you get to, you know, the show Arthur Carbon, science fiction show where everyone has a stack, that's their consciousness. And you can put it into whatever sleeve you want. The sleeve is the uh, body, you know, you can just pick a different body, whatever. Rebecca is so beautiful in this scene. (laughs) She is what, like white, gorgeous. It's perfectly lit. She looks so comfortable. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I think I wanted like the Rebecca sleeve. (laughs) Like I think in my next life, I'm like, she just looks so, I'm like, is it possible for someone to look more comfortable and beautiful at the same time. And then in the seat, she's so I'm like, where is she first? What is this room in her house? Is this where she flicked the, um, the, the soldier, the first uh, season one. I think it might've been behind her when she did that. I don't think she was out there, but I think, yeah, from, from the way I think things are oriented. And also I'm like, is this a, uh, London sun? Does it get this shade of yellow? Like, does it get this white hot? I mean, I guess everywhere it does at one point or another. Yeah, at some point. I was like, wow, this is really, I don't know. Anyway, she's so, she's such a beaut. She's eating. And I feel like, yes, sometimes you can use eating the way we've talked about where it's disrespectful. 
but she's not doing it that way. She's not like, no. rah, 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 you know. Yeah, no, no, no. And no, so, no. but yeah. what it does, it speaks to the comfort, right? She's not nervous. Like, if you want to do this, we could do this. You know, I got the money. I know the people. I just don't think you really want to go down this road. Like, she's very, she's not pressed about it so much as she's like, what are you doing, dude? Wait a second. And correct me if I'm wrong, but she has an update. It sounds like it. Right. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I They never it. get to the update in this scene. They never even broach the update, which I thought was so interesting because she actually may have ADHD'd him right out of it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I think she, yeah. you know what I mean? I like, think she, she didn't did. really, mm-hmm. she does say a great line, we're going to come up to it. But in general, we get so sex in the city and, and Anthony and all these other places that it almost dilutes the importance of what he's waiting to hear. Um, right. I don't know. It's right. really interesting. Um, anyway, well, keep going, I, I mean, I, I think he's, he's, he's all over the place. Like he thinks he's focused right now, but he's exactly not focused. He, he's, he, he's not thinking about his team and he's not thinking about his son. He's all out of position. You know, I know we talked about that some on yes. the, um, the yes. rapid response, but I think it really matters here. So she's saying like, dude, go play your position. You got your son doing juggling tricks to when they, the team should be practicing. Now Beard's playing what Uncle Beard to your son because you over here messing around. Like what are you doing? So I think she. I think you're right. I think she does manage not to say it, but I think she was gonna make damn sure that she made the point that you think you want me to tell you this, but you don't. Let it go. He says, you think I'm nuts. Um, you know, she says, well, she, first she says, oh, uh, it sounds like someone's saying, where are you? I'm in a pub with Beard and Henry. Why? It's too loud. I can step away farther if that helps. And it's like, no, no, that's what you, the opposite of what you should be doing. You see? No, yeah. no, 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 it's fine. Uh, that's to- to- talk about being out of position, coach. Um, yeah. Where were we? He says, you think I'm nuts. Now we cut over to Beard. And there's this beat here with Beard at the table. Boss, walk us through Beard and Henry. And then, Coach, you're going to handle all the Ted and Rebecca stuff. And, Boss, you're going to handle all the Beard and Henry stuff. Okay. And so what does Beard have to say to uh, when he's in this little quiet moment uh, listening to Hey Jude with, with Henry? So I'm just now realizing that I was supposed to do research about actual Brendan Hunt's relationship with the Beatles. Because I know that he loves them, but I didn't do enough research. So if I have anything else to say later, sorry, I'm going to have to come back to this. But, uh, boss, we did say in the in the rapid reaction, it, yeah, the, the Nana, yeah, the the Nana, his little, and I never when was, he was a little kid, yeah. his nickname was Nana. So anytime you heard people say, singing "Hey Jude," which happened, mm. at, I guess, for the White Sox, they sang "Hey mm-hmm. Jude" whatever, and he thought the whole place was singing "Nana" about him, which That's is great. really cute. Yeah. Well, oh my god, and also I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, but uh, Brendan Hunt on Brett Goldstein's podcast talked about how he would help watch his younger sisters when he was a teenager and they were younger and he would sing them the Beatles songs to help them get to sleep. So like, come on, Jesus Christ, Brendan Hunt, you're killing me over here. Anyway. Um, so Beard says, so you like the Beatles, huh? Why is that? And Henry says, cause my dad does. And he says, you know what this song's about? And Henry says, uh, someone named Jude. And Beard says, not just someone, a little boy named Jude. And one day his mom and dad decided to break up, you know, get divorced. And that made Jude real, real sad. Now, Jude's dad had a best friend and the best friend was really worried about Jude and all his sad feelings. So he wrote him the song hoping that, well, the words might help him somewhere down the road. 
And Henry says, the long and winding road, because kids are precocious sometimes. And beer toasts. And then Henry is sort of watching Ted on the phone off in the distance. Beard notices and says, hey, Henry, you have a great mom and dad, and they love you tons. And even though it's weird, they live in different countries. And I know right now it feels like you're in that sad song. But you, young man, have the power to take a sad song and make it better. And Henry says, oh, I like that. Beard says, yeah, me too. You know what I like best about the song? And uh, what, just as the busker hits the high note, the, ah, that I can't reach, and I shouldn't have done that. And then Beard (laughs) says this. And then everyone starts singing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm 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 reliving it. Um uh I like really liked that uh Beard went from a guy pitching uh Jack the Ripper chase parties to someone who really talks almost in the same cadence as a children's book. Um like when you read it, you know, he says, you know, I know right now it feels like you're in a sad song. Um you know, like th- there's there's these little elements to the way he's uh he had a best friend, and that best friend was real worried, like like repeating the best friend line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just feel, mm-hmm. it feels it has that cadence of like whatever Beard is able to sort of connect with Henry in a way that does not feel condescending. Um, you know, just like sort of going down his level. It, it, whether you believe the long and winding road is a whole other thing, but like yes. I'm around enough autistic kids that you would not believe what they can pull up at a moment. You just oh, go, yeah. oh my god. Um, and maybe if he's if he's well versed enough in the Beatles, um, the Beatles like the Gen X felt like okay, it was like two steps away or something. At least for me, it was like okay, we had the if you grow up grew up in the seventies and eighties, something that happened in the sixties didn't feel that far away, you know. But for kids these yeah. days, like a Henry, that feels like Jack Benny, or uh, feels like feels like um, yeah, you know some of the. You know what I'm saying? Like Fats Domino. Mm-hmm. You're just like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is so – it's so far away. And it's so – so much has happened in between that music and the music you have uh, now for contemporary music for Henry that I'm like, oh, it's a really interesting choice to have Henry like it. But I, I, I understand like, oh, my dad likes it, so I like it. I really get that. Yeah, and it, it, there's something um... – I think I mentioned the, that our twins uh, turned 18 in May. So there's a lot of just thinking back on all of this and sort of shaking my head at moments and going, wow, that really just happened. And there was something very fun about this particular point. It makes me think of when I was that age and it makes me think of when my son was that age. There's an energy around that's my dad. And I would imagine yeah, yeah. that, like, you know what I mean? Like, my, that's my dad. My 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 mother in law used to tease me because when my son would go to visit when he was younger, not now, <laughs> not now, uh, but when he was younger, <laughs> decidedly <laughs> no, not now, folks. It, it, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but things changed. Um, no, but the, we're, we're we're good. But um, but yeah, that she would tease me. That he, she'd go, oh my goodness, everything is my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad. And then, I don't know, it's a very, um, it's a sweet time. I used to say, you know, those who skip out miss out. And I would say that that's the, that's one of the big ones that I say you miss out. That, that when they're young enough to be processing, to maybe be putting that joke together, following the way you tell jokes or whatever, 
Um, but they're still young enough that it's all sort of wondrous. That's a, that's a real cool time. Yeah. And that's why we say, got to show up. Job one, show up. Um, and we see this with Henry, too. We see him approximating Ted's cadence with certain jokes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. certain ways uh, that he uh, you know approaches things. Um, I do like uh, the, the Henry actor gets a lot of flack online and uh you know phoebe gets a lot more love and that sort of thing but i really liked his delivery of the line oh i like that that felt like re i was like oh that's ted lasso's son right there i thought that was like he couldn't have delivered it any better and i just want to call it out because he doesn't always get all the credit for being a little kid on a, on a huge show um and i thought like man you can't deliver that line any better i, I also think we're meant to I think we're meant to think of him as Ted's son in a way that I think other character. I don't know that any other character is so locked in to their relationship to someone else. They're all their own, but he is truly Ted's son. That is the point of him. Uh, and I think that that in some ways limited what we got. Right. I would look, I don't care how good a kid is. They're gonna have a meltdown. Some some point they're gonna do something. You know what I mean? And I know we've had you know some things that's. But I mean, in his presence, what does he have to deal with with the kid? Maybe that would have. You know, I remember one time. Um, and if I told the story, I apologize. But I remember this time. Uh, my parents were divorced. I spent Saturdays with my uh, father generally. And this one time, you know, it was Saturday. I'm not thinking about it, whatever. And we go to visit my godmother and we have a great day. Like, I don't remember every detail, but I know, like, we just always deal with her. So the park and the museum and the this and the that and great full day. We were there all day. It's night. We start getting dressed to go home, as my mother tells it. And I'm like, yeah, so when are we going to Bot's house? And she's like, no, we came here. Like, that's and I, like, flipped out. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, like it was like, and so was it? I wasn't like a generally poorly behaved kid, but like you're gonna have moments like that, and I think it there would have been some value along the way, whether it was you still haven't packed your bag, and then they, you know, maybe a meltdown there, or like why don't you pack it, or why does a mom blah blah blah, or you know, just something to give us a little more dimension than Ted's son. Yeah, it actually. It- what I was thinking during this scene, I loved that Beard had this talk with him. What I felt it needed in the scene was a kickoff for him to need to address this with Henry. Like, Henry doesn't seem upset. He doesn't seem like he particularly is right now super upset about the divorce or whatever else. I don't think that we know how well Ted and Michelle have been handling it. I, it's, um, Sarah Silverman has a joke in her special We Are Miracles, which the first time I saw it, I was like, this is so fucking perfect because the joke in its fullness, she delivers the line that says, we need to stop telling little girls they can be anything they want when they grow up. And the audience laughs because it's Sarah Silverman and she's ridiculous and why would you say such thing? And then she follows it up with, because it never would have occurred to them that they couldn't. And I was like, fuck yes, absolutely. Hell yes. That's, yeah. So there was a little part of it for me that I was like, I understand why you would say this to Henry if Henry seemed really upset. 
I don't understand why Beer decided he needed to hear it right now without seeing something from Henry. I there. Yeah, that was it, what I read, but I, I'm also the, hearing you. The, but there was, there a, was look a look at there was a look the busker singing the Beatles, and then later Henry looks over at Ted. He does not look at Ted longingly or forlorn or upset or anything else. Beard looks at him looking at the busker singing the Beatles and says, oh, you like the Beatles, and then launches into this talk about how it's okay that your parents are getting divorced. I don't know if it would have occurred to Henry to, especially with unconscious or conscious uncoupling and the way that couples are very careful to co-parent well with each other and not talk shit about each other. And there hopefully usually isn't as traumatic of divorces as, I don't know, some of the people from my generation might have experienced. I don't know if this needed to be a, like, I know that you're secretly sad and that you feel weird and that you're upset about this. It could have just been like a, how are you doing? And then he was upset. Just give me something that shows that Henry is upset. That shows that Henry needs this talk right now. I didn't miss that, but I certainly get what you mean. Um, I, yeah, I read off the, I read off the look for me, but I think though that what, Well, yeah, and, and the fact that the kid, the parents are getting divorced, and that's going to leave a mark on a kid, no matter how you co-parent. When your dad is in Europe and you go to bed every night, you know the most you get is a little bit of Roblox with him and maybe a FaceTime. So, You're going to pine away from for that. And and Henry didn't when when he said, "I know you th- you're a little bit in a little bit of a sad song right now." I know it feels right now. It feels like you're in a sad song. I, I think. Henry looked like yes, I, oh, I, I, I do. Oh no, that. no, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. Once we get going, I think the scene plays in a good way. But I do get okay. Here's a question, I guess. To your mind, was Beard kind of thinking at some point I'll have a minute with this kid and I'll have this conversation, or is he supposed to be responding in the moment? Ted goes out of position, so he moves in the position and has the conversation. Because I think if it's the second one, I hear what what boss is saying, which is they didn't give you a lot to make I him mean, feel I'm, like, oh, I better hustle over there. I mean, Ted's son was bullying another kid. Yes. And Beard was going to fly. And when oh, he heard yeah, yeah. That, that Henry was being yeah. bullied, he was about to fly. To, so he cares. He's about to fly. Remember, we're going to the next plane. But he really cares about Henry. He's the closest thing to an uncle that Henry has. And his father has now walked away in the middle of like precious time. Like there is not enough time. What is it, Henry's there for the day that he's going to be with his dad one day. And Ted's going to take any percentage of that to walk away and take a call. So I think Beard was reacting to that a little bit. I think Henry is generally sad um, and missing his missing his dad. And so I think all of that was the context that that uh, sort of instigated the the comment from no, which, well, sorry, Beard, which was. I thought can... was fantastic. So you didn't like the comment, but you thought it was no. I I I thought the comment. I think that the discussion actually ended up working out really well. It was more of a I don't know. Like, listen, I have actual nieces and nephews, and I fucking love the absolute shit out of them. I have friends with kids who I like 
I would kill and die for them. I absolutely love them. I would not, regardless of how close that relationship is, step in and assume that their parents had not addressed something this important with them and that I needed to do that on their behalf. If one of them said to me, like, mom and dad fight a lot and I'm really sad about that, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's talk. Let's chat this out. And then I will talk to your parents about it also. I would not take it upon myself to say... I need to have this discussion through this Beatles song with you right now. That's mm. even though you're, you're the person that has said like over and over and over again, Ted fails to properly address issues yeah. and hides behind his sense of humor and is, you know, in absentia with, with regard to his, uh, his, uh, the conversations with Michelle that absolutely need to happen that you're saying, and you've always said like, he's, he's, uh, woefully behind in that in that area, you think his best friend wouldn't have noticed that and say like maybe I'll help the guy out a little bit or I don't know if you could make the same assumption about Michelle, which means Henry would have one parent who presumably is discussing these things with him, and also I don't know if we've ever seen an actual distance between Ted and Henry. I think that there is a relationship that you have, not just with your own child, but with children that allows you to be more open and more easily able to discuss issues than you would with an adult. Or at least I know I can't. Like, If I have any issues discussing feelings or confronting a problem or whatever else, when it's a kid, I'm like, fuck, no, I have got this. I know how to do this shit. It's interesting. I guess now it's making me ask questions about what would the nature or what might have been the the relationship between Beard and Henry just before this, right? Like, do they only ever encounter each other? Yes. Because they happen to both be next to Ted. Is there any, you know, have they ever thrown the football around? Like, what's, let's say when um, Henry had shown up, they had a handshake, right? Just like uh, Ted has that thing with them. If he had a little thing with Henry, I think it would be easier to think that, oh yeah, well, he just found this gap and he stepped in to have this conversation. Because we didn't see that, I do get why Boss is saying, well, it, it felt like it needed something to kick it off more. I feel like I got it and I was glad it happened, but I I see the point that actually in that moment, why did Beard do that right then? Yeah. I feel like even if it had been something as much as Henry saying, so when are you guys coming home? Like something that simple would have for me very organically kicked off this conversation. This way that it's done felt not exactly PSAE, but sort of like this was uh, more demonstrating how you would write a scene where the kindly uncle talks to a kid rather than a conversation that came about because Henry needed to hear from somebody in a position of authority what is going on with his parents. No. What's the matter, Coach? Not interesting? <laughs> I'm, I'm always fascinated by Boss's take uh, on, on any subject, no matter how uh, wrong. Oh, my God. And- Screen. Don't feel bad. I've been uh, wrong tonight to too. I think wrong me, right? He must be. Uh... He's not sounding very curious, is what I'll tell you. Sounds real right. judgmental. You, are, you know what? Yeah, you right. are right. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed this uh, moment between Henry and, and Beard, and maybe that's maybe I'm hesitant to 
to reel it back in. I think I just liked the uncle beard kind of vibe. I think maybe, yeah. and maybe wh- whether or not you thought it was earned or not, I, I feel like I'm probably resistant to <laughs> to deep diving because I'm like, oh, I kind of just liked it. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, okay. So uh, now we get the uh, you know what the best part of the song is this na 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 na, na. And, and then we have the crazy psycho guy who doesn't have a name. The guy who calls Ted a wanker, yeah. right? Just shows up. Uh, come on, fucking sing it! Is he yelling? Love that. I did. <laughs> I la- I laughed. I was like, "Oh my god, he is just he's just there, and that's him." It just feels like a three ring circus. I'm it like, is. "What is hap- What is going on, it is man?" A three-ring circus. You got PB and J singing, dancing in the back. So listen, it's either too saccharin for people or it isn't. Um, uh, this is this. Uh, well, they they start to sing. I'm like, how long does the Nana thing thing go on? But it doesn't matter. It worked in the scene. But we have Rebecca talking. You know, Ted, I'm so curious about something. Why didn't you ever take Michelle to Paris yourself? I, I thought that was a good question. Uh, I wanted to. We were you know, too broke to go on our honeymoon. And then we both got busy, and we had Henry. And I just always thought we'd have more time. Oh, I wanted to mention that Henry is probably the kid I really wish uh, most. I wish they had another kid so Henry would have someone to. Not that there's anything wrong with being an only child, but I think there's a lot of pressure being Ted Lasso's child. Mm. And I just really want Henry to have someone to be like, dad's a little bit kooky, right? Like just to just to bounce some stuff off someone that's experiencing it with him in real time. Um, but anyway, uh, Coach, you were nodding. What do you think I was going to say? I'm sure I didn't say what you thought I was going to say. Um, just the time, you know. I, I always thought we'd have more time. Um, I know people who've had that lament in all sorts of ways. Coaching a game, sometimes you feel like, man, shit, if we had another damn minute, or if we had one more time out, man, I think we could have pulled that out. You know, that'll happen. And in life, you know, you'll feel like, oh, I, you know, I wish we had more time. Uh, but to me, so much of it for Ted is about the importance of being present. I mean, if nothing else, when, to- when if you're going to play total football, you can't ever, you're never going to sleepwalk through a match ever because how are you going to sleepwalk? You don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. So how you know what you're going to do in response to it? So every, everybody's got to be super present. And, um, what he admits in that moment, in my opinion, is he kind of, he was in this marriage and he was like, yeah, this will be where we are for this many years. And then Henry will be this age and then we'll have time to go to Paris and you never know that. So you don't don't live like that. If you want to go to Paris, get your ass to Paris. Say carpe, carpe diem. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, these are good lessons. And as you get older, time has a different meaning. Um, I know it's funny because I have a, my, my oldest is a like, absolute just genius and the thing that freaks him out the most is time you start talking about time and he gets like legitimately freaked out and like so that's that scene in interstellar i don't know if you guys saw interstellar Mm -hmm. where there's a there's a thing where they land on a planet and because of its proximity to a black hole every what every 10 minutes on the planet is 10 years on earth oh so like we gotta get up right so it's like as you're there for an hour everybody you know has died Oh, wow. Or what you know what I mean? Like or what you know what I'm saying? Like so you just go it, it like and he's like trauma watching. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> like just this. And, and as you get older, it definitely has, you know, you start coach and I are both 50, and you this is the era where you say, Oh, you know, oh, this actor who was 58 passed away. This guy yeah. dropped dead, he's 53. Yeah, those numbers and you're like, are okay, careening at any me, second, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah right? And so you just go, all right, it wasn't as common in your 30s. Nope. Um, boss is, is 26. Um, I, it will be in November. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, she doesn't really have these uh, these issues. Um, she's really smart for a 26-year-old, don't you think, Coach? Like, oh, yeah. Really smart. Yeah. I've been working for a surprisingly long time for 26. Jesus. That doesn't hurt <laughs> 20, me. Like I've had a lot of jobs. Oh, <laughs> well, hello, <laughs> fifth grader. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, um, no, anyway, yeah. Oh, but uh, because I am uh, such a fan of Christopher Nolan, um, uh, on that planet, there's a ticking noise in the background that they never quite explain. And it's every second-ish. And so somebody figured out that the amount of time on the planet and the amount of time that happened on Earth, each tick is one day passing on Earth. So they added it to the audio oh. so that yeah don't oh. don't let your son watch it knowing that information oh my god yeah yeah that's like i feel trauma. i feel um, anxious i'm not even watching the movie it's like i'm anxious from a fake yeah. movie that i never watched yeah what i didn't love <laughs> that's I crazy didn't, if anybody yeah. if anybody could pull that off that type of anxiety <laughs> off it's you coach the king the king of anxiety <laughs> oh man so i yeah this is it's it's funny too. This piece about the 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 time has me thinking about this. Um, just as our timing of getting this done, it is uh, day after Father's Day uh, in the U.S. I would imagine everywhere doesn't celebrate the same Father's Day. Um, so, uh, but it's the day after Father's Day, and so uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, my uh, teenagers are not as likely as they once were to uh, express pleasure in my direction. Uh, I requested this year for Father's Day what I wanted, um, you know, a little bit to eat here, brunch, whatever, we'll hang out. But I wanted them each to share a good memory and a lesson that they learned from me. And it was interesting in 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 both cases. You know, one of my one of my children uh, said that you can to leave when you need to be somewhere to leave with extra time. And the plan for with extra time. And I felt like that was me. I used to tell them when they were little, especially, I would say, don't look at the thing. Look at the thing after the thing. So that's like when you put a glass on the edge of the table. Okay, now what's going to happen? Somebody might knock it down. Now that's an actual glass. Then what's going to happen is going to be glass on the floor. Somebody can get hurt. All because we didn't think about the thing after the thing. Just move. If you just move it a foot in. We don't have even a chance of any of that happening. So that was like a thing I was always showing them. Don't look at the thing. Look at the thing after the thing. And I felt like that was her, you know, not saying those words, but like reflecting that back to me. And then um, my other child said that uh, it was how teams can work together. Did he thank you? Did he thank you for taking him to Amsterdam to lose his virginity? No, but... Jesus He's just the Christ. kind of kid who wouldn't. You know what I mean? Come on. Really? I'm like, uh, yeah, what do you think? You they know, just you like know, to, James, you just like to, James Tart kind of just uh, for your good looks. I had to pay for that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it's funny because I know this boy. It was just an absolute jewel, and now I feel terrible. No, no, no. and he, uh, but no, but he said, you know, that it was how that learning for me how teams work how teams work together and cooperate what it is to be on a team. And I was like, me, we. So like, I, I didn't say it to them, but I was like, wow, look at that. Like you can, you really can t- 
like impart some real things because it can feel, you know, in them teenage years, it feels like not only don't I know if I taught you anything, I'm just a little bit afraid that when I go to sleep, I'm not safe. And so it was nice to sit around the table and 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 hear those and go, yeah, some 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 stuff got through, some stuff got through. I love that. I love also that you scaffolded your expectations for Father's Day because I want to deep dive Father's Day so badly. I will take three hours right now <laughs> to deep dive. I have such say- complicated feelings about Father's Day. We're not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it because even if I crack open the tiniest thing about how I feel about right. this. Boss will we, her, she will she will expire on this call. We, no, we yes. have we have to have this conversation <laughs> one day because yes, and let me just quickly say that this is my 18th Father's Day and the first time that I was nearly I've like requested maybe food or this or that, but this is the first time I was nearly this specific, and it was because part of me was like, you know what, you keep saying what the hell? Why do people treat Father's Day this way? But you, I don't know that you ever told them what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'm going to tell them. And then that way, no one can be surprised. <laughs> and it wasn't that hard. You know, I mean, it wasn't hard as things go. So, yeah. So, but it took me 18 years to finally go, I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But, you know, something. Give me a hug. <laughs> can a brother get a hug? <laughs> Not between 14 and 18, you can't. <laughs> I should uh, like that. I have great kids, but they do not. Yeah, they are. They are exceptional, exceptional kids. Um, I can vouch for that. Uh, so we talk about. Uh, I thought I always thought we'd have more time, Ted. I'm sorry. Thank you. But seriously, I just love this line. So I love it so much. I want it to come out of not not out of my mouth. I want it to come out of the mouth of the exceptional Emily Chambers. Let's hear it, boss. But seriously, who gives a flying fuck if Michelle gets engaged? Yes. I, I just loved it so much. Like, yes. at least, like, even if you don't love this episode, that was, you just want somebody. This this felt like Rebecca doing for Ted what she did for Roy. It's just, it's almost like what Rebecca vibrate. She's so confident. Like, mm-hmm. Whatever, right? She goes, yes. That time relationship with her is past, but your time with Henry hasn't. It's so clear. It's crystal clear. You need to stop letting yesterday get in the way of today, Ted. That's another great line from this show. Um, and well, yeah, I don't think he's singing yesterday. Oh, shut up, Ned Flanders. Yeah. She was shut like, up not and now. Listen. You're not doing this now. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. even has like a little tight smile. He can't see mm-hmm. it, but she's on the mm-hmm. other end of the phone. Go, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know I'm just joking. She says, Ted. He says, uh, he says, I know you're right. And she's, of course, I'm right. I'm always right. And I'm like, oh, I think my favorite Rebecca, like nobody's always right. But I think my favorite Rebecca is the Rebecca that says, of course, I'm right. I'm always but wait, right. But who else <laughs> says that? Sassy. She's back to the Rebecca yes, Sassy news. Yes. Oh, right. Wait, wait, does Sassy say it or does Rebecca say it about No, Sassy? she says it because remember when she's walking in Amsterdam and she's wrapping up the call and Sassy's like, um... There's some, you know, she goes, you're actually wrong this time. And she's like, no, I'm always right. So. Yeah. God, we, yeah. Uh, wow. That's, that's right. You're, that's excellent coach. Great, great pull. Um, so anyway, for I just love that version of Rebecca. And I love that she does yes. this for Ted. It's crystal clear. And now for the love of God, will you get back to that pub and sing Hey Jude with your boy? Cause like we're, in, we're almost out of Nana's. Like I can hear yes. it. Yes. 
time you feel is ticking. It, yeah, like, then I could be just sitting <laughs> over there all day, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Judah, 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 whatever that's, that's coming up. That is, is we are ebbing closer to that moment and you are on the phone across the street or whatever, or down, down across the little area there. Um, so yes, Ted says, what painful, painful. Ted says, what boss? I want you to say it, boss. Mercy buckets. And she says, what uh, coach in response? Oh, really? You're going to give me some French to say. Darien, uh, Coach Lasso. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> she said, it, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And she says yeah. it so beautifully. And um, can I say, um, though, this is also yeah. his friend getting him because that is exactly what he said to the guy who talked to him about Van Gogh, um, the docent or whatever at the museum. He says mercy buckets to that guy, and the guy just looks at him like, well, you just ruined a great moment. And instead, here, where he's understood, Rebecca responds accordingly. Of course, he knows it's not mercy buckets. In flawless French, yes, right. And right, and of course, she's not going to join him in that, just like she had to teach him how to say Amphrony. Right, because she's a classy motherfucker. Barbecue sauce. All right. So they he, he runs back, jumps in. Everybody's singing. Um, for some of us, it was nails on a chalkboard. For other people, it was it was as good as uh, as good as Ted Lasso gets. There's no accounting for taste, and I won't fault anybody who loved it, and I won't fault anybody who who, who just didn't buy it. Um, it doesn't really matter where any of us sort of land on it. It really doesn't matter. It's all personal, and uh, you know. I know for some, we we spoke about this on the rapid response. Um, there, there, it's it's strange to think, but like everybody saying three little birds was my jam, and everybody saying hey Jude wasn't, and okay, like what I, I don't know why I, can't, I haven't really, you know what I mean? Just mm. what, like one thing really worked for me, one thing didn't. Um, who cares? Doesn't matter. Everybody's going to have their their own uh, take on it, and I hope. Uh, for the sake of everybody's personal enjoyment that as many people uh, loved it as possible. So uh, now we cut to Keeley's and um, okay. So uh, this is so interesting. Coach, can you walk us through uh, Jack, the Jack and Keeley moment here at Keeley's? Yes, oh, all, all the way. Also, one thing I forgot to say, it felt like an end of the episode moment of yeah. them all singing. Yeah. And then when we went to Keyless, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's it just felt true. like it jarring. Did, it did, have, it did right? have that feel. Yeah. Because yeah. that's such a, a big, it's such a yes. big thing. I think it's really hard to get back to normal life from it. And I think that might be part of the Three Little Birds, right? Like, it was the end of the long adventure. It almost felt like just the music over the final credits, but we went ahead and had yes, it, right? right? So, like, it kind of right. had that energy. So, yeah, I think that that made this harder to take in. Um, if if mm-hmm. if we if we look at this, and we talked about it in many – in all of these – this is the fourth part of this deep dive. Um, I don't think they had room to put it in. If you look at where they could have slotted all the Jack and Keeley stuff they had to cover, mm-hmm. they kept trying to like, – sometimes they had to just it? do time cuts, yeah. like, back-to-back – Jack and Keeley in different spaces. Mm. They just didn't have enough coverage. I, I wonder. I wonder actually if they did, but it would have been basically a feature film every week, and so then it was like, all right, we got to make some choices. Well, I'm just saying in this episode, if you look at, they came back to Jack and Keeley several times, mm-hmm. but what did they have to put? I'm saying, what did they have in this? Just in this to specific episode, 
because if we let's say we assume okay yeah we could have we could have put um uh hey jude at the very end what nothing's going to stop us from doing that except like we go okay wait a second but then you have a scene you have to finish with mm. with michelle and and whatever so you can't have that like at the very end okay yeah. so you say okay let's back it up a little bit and then you say okay well there was a jack and keely scene at the mini uh mini golf and if we put th- this scene with jack and keely in the house right after that mm-hmm. that doesn't work because you have a weird time cut mm-hmm. and you know, you don't have the time for Jack to work on the. Mm-hmm. The assumption is when you come back into this thing, Jack says, "Oh no, I agree, it's much better." Mm-hmm. Thank you, George. She's talking on the. So, like, when would she have done that work? So, anyway, I just think it's really, it, yeah, it felt like an end of the episode song, uh, you know, sort of set piece to me, and then and then all of a sudden you have the sort of the very claustrophobic feeling of of uh, Keeley's Keeley's place. Yeah. Um, after that big open scene, yeah. I very much agree with your assessment of that, that just placing the scenes in the different places, I would have gotten rid of the scene with Michelle coming back. Like, I think what Rebecca just told Ted was, it doesn't matter when she gets back from Paris, what happened, if they got engaged, if they didn't. I would have actually liked to have seen Ted not needed to address that and not needed to worry about it and just moved on with hanging out with Henry instead of it being a, oh, but they... Still weren't engaged. Don't worry, guys. Even though I'm now ruining that. Sorry, everybody. Hope you watch the episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, Coach, walk us through this, please. Uh, okay. So, yes. So, Jack comes in. No, I agree. It's much better. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. Stop. No. Um. Okay. So, okay. So, good news. We've got a much more toned down version of the statement. The The last one was so shit. Keely says, oh, great. Not really convincing that she thinks it's that great. Um, on TV, I was once broken up with by a guy's doorman. So I, I assumed we were sex and the city that was going on there. But I don't know the uh, show that well. Oh, Hobbs. So, yeah, so it was. So there we go. So um, I'm sorry, Ms. Hobbs. Jonathan won't be coming down ever. Hey, then she turns off the, t- uh, Keely turns off the TV. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on a sec. Jack notices Keely is watching TV instead of paying attention to her. And she takes the oh. remote and turns the, t- turns the show that Keely is watching, is watching off. off. Okay. That actually, that much more work works for scene. So sorry about and Keely that. Keely goes, Keely looks at, Keely looks says, at her and is hey. like. Right, 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 right. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Just gives her a look. Well, there's just like a, she's like, like kind of can't. Like, did you just do that? She's like. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, right, right. Huh. Okay. Um, all right. So I know it's lame, but it will help. Believe me. So she's aware that this is not so great on Keely's side of the fence. Before, when you said that you were going to take care, Keely says, before, when you said that you were going to take care of this, I thought that meant you were going to get the video taken down or something like that. Jack, we tried. It's the fucking internet. Making this statement is taking care of it now. Keely, by having me make an apology, yes. Please just do it. Sorry, but it's not a great look when the person I'm seeing whose company I fund has a porn online. Keely says a porn and uh, chuckles and is definitely not feeling that description. Uh, you know what I mean. We're, we're just, we're, we're limiting the damage. Okay. Keely says it. Jack, I'm not doing it. The, this video being. Okay. Wait, wait. Before, hold on. Before we keep going. 
I, I want to point out that whenever Jack says she uses like sort of these nebulous statements, I know it's lame, but it will help. Believe me. And I feel like it's like a fortune cookie thing where you go, instead of saying in bed, you just say, just add me to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't say it, but it will help me. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you go down and you say like, um, yeah, please just do it. It's not a great look when the person I'm seeing is company of fun. Um, we're just limiting the damage to me. Yeah. Okay. Like it's, it's all about Jack. It's not said, mm-hmm. but you know, she's trying to sort of, coach Keely up because she knows better about what needs to happen in her world. Mm-hmm. But but absolutely has zero uh, compunction to look at it from Keely's point of view because again and Keely, and I I've, I've said this on other episodes but I'll repeat it when you when you you don't have to play nice with anybody because you have so much money. Like my my example was, oh, I'm I'm nice to my neighbor who's a plumber because sometimes he'll just hook me up and come over and fix something that breaks. And so um I it's not like I'm nice to him to get that from him, but it's a it's an added benefit mm-hmm. uh to play nice with him, mm-hmm. even when sometimes he drives me crazy because I know like, okay, it's just a good connection and I'm broke. Right. So mm-hmm. I sometimes need a plumber that doesn't cost me a fortune. When you have a fortune, you don't ever need to play nice in that same way. And the only thing you have to defend is your reputation. And so Jack is operating from that principle, you know, that that the reputation has to be protected. Her reputation specifically has to be protected. And she's framing it as if it's both of their reputations that have to be protected because she's Jack. That's how she approaches well, it. Well, because we've talked so much about um, John Wooden, uh I think this entire scene hinges on the difference between character and rep and uh, reputation. And uh, Wooden on that said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your reputation is who people think you are, but your, your character is who you really are. And Keeley's discussing character and Jack is discussing reputation. And that's that's yeah. part of their disconnect. Yeah. And very much on that point, I do need to introduce again the gendered element of this in that when we talk about a lot of things, uh, forgiveness and relationships and everything else that comes with that, there is an element of women needing to take ownership of things that aren't theirs in order to fix a situation. So mm. it, women will more often apologize for their husband's behavior than a husband will apologize for his wife's. It seems like a bigger reflection, like, oh, you picked that guy? That's the guy that you're going to stay married to? Okay. It's more of a reflection on them. So in this case, Keely is trying to say to Jack, like, if I apologize, I am saying that I did something wrong, even when something was done to me something wrong happened to me and i'm supposed to apologize in order to make her partner look better in order to protect her partner she's going to degrade herself and say i did something wrong i'm asking for the public's forgiveness instead of the public saying like who's the fucking asshole who leaked this shit she's supposed to lessen herself, make herself smaller in order to fit into Jack's idea of how she's supposed to operate within their relationship. And so it's not just that Keely herself can't do it because she doesn't want to. It's 
a degradation of who she is as a person for her to do it. She would be acknowledging that other people's opinion of her is more important than her is, is of her own. Her own is of her. And she absolutely can't do that. And she's right, too. Excellent points by both of you. I deeply resent that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I will say I love I love the line about the well, coach, the abs- boss, one hundred percent right. But also, uh, coach, what you said about the distinction between uh, character and reputation. I've heard it phrased. Uh, you know, when I talk to my kids about it or things like that, I've heard the phrase, and I don't know if I should attribute this to someone. I feel like it's like just anonymous or it's just out there where they say character is who you are when no one's watching. Yeah. And this brings us back to our conversation about the shopping cart experiment. Mm-hmm, do you remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What you do with a shopping cart, there's no penalty. There's no, mm-hmm. no one judging yeah. you, whatever, but it's mm-hmm. just like how you feel about order versus chaos. Are you going to go walk the extra six car mm-hmm. spots to put the shopping cart back where it came from? Um, I- and in this case, one person feels like you should, and one person feels like you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Keely's got to kind of be, you know, to thine own self, be true. Go ahead, coach. So, yeah, no, I was going to say just because I guess I got on the stuff about stuff I uh, told my kids when they were younger. And I used to tell them, act like I'm watching even when I ain't. Yeah. And that was sort of my expression of that idea. And I, I hoped that, you know, soon enough, by the time they realize it could be just because that's who they are, that they'd get that. And then they wouldn't have to worry about whether I could ever see anything. Right. But yes. in the meantime, yeah. think of it that way. Uh, ain't is not a proper. <laughs> <laughs> also, to your point on the shopping cart experiment, the easiest way to win that is to have such a shitty car that you don't care if people accidentally bump into it with their shopping cart. You shop that or park that bitch right next to the shopping cart grotto thing. And then you're not taking up any additional steps. Listen, I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I have a thing that I do at shopping carts, and I don't know. I think I mentioned it season one, but I, I I urge anyone who has my sort of thing going on to try this. Just try it once, um, which is I talked about the power of testosterone and the and that all three of us in this podcast are like rage junkies and <laughs> sure have sure definitely <laughs> fought our temper in many you know many ways uh, over the years. Um, so I don't have a real outlet for my temper. Um, and I know coach is like a boxer, so he'll, he'll punch like bags and stuff like that. And he'll, um, you know, take it out and whatever. Um, uh, but the shopping cart grotto is for me when I turn into an absolute psychopath. I don't, it, you wouldn't know it to look at me, but I walk as I walk to approach it. I'm like, I am like Robocop. And you know how people just will messily put everything like people just like, okay, it's close enough. Right. And so like yeah. they're misaligned yeah. and they're oh. kind of kitty cornered, whatever. Oh, yeah. So I will walk slowly with my cart and I will just pu- start to push and I will just, it'll be like, I'm like, I am an unstoppable force. You're creating I just order. Start pushing. I create, like, I just push like, like through every cart till they organize this. themselves into a row. And then I stop when it hits the back and I have like this crazy look in my eye. And then I break character and I walk back to my car. This is the only place I have where I'm like, I will not be stopped. I love you. For any reason. I, I and I've had to chase, <laughs> I've had to chase the card a couple of times where I, I, I actually miscalculated. But my goal is always, can I line myself up to put the cart in that uh, grotto from a distance? So, yeah, so, well, I yeah. do that too. So like, 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 like shopping cart yeah, golf. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I got yeah, it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I read it. I got it. 
And then every once in a while, I take off uh, sprinting, and my old uh, my track days serve me, so I don't get sure. beat up by somebody. Right, because because you're offline, yeah. and you're gonna hit yeah, somebody's yeah, like F one fifty and get shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like running, but yeah. So that's that's more my style. But I I'm really like I almost want to take you to a parking lot so I can watch you do this. No, no, I want you to experience it. Just channel me for one minute. Anyone listening to this, just take a second and push your cart all the way through <laughs> all the other carts. <laughs> like like that you are an unstoppable force. And this is your world. This one little grotto is the universe where you can really fully dominate. realize your strength. Socratic, you know, what Socrates said about feeling the strength of your body. You do it right in the shopping cart. That's yeah. It. All right. I just put the card in there, but also it turns out I meant Corel, not Grotto. So I need to correct that now. You know, Every it was time. funny because I was like, I never knew it was called that. So it's you would have had me no. just going no. all no. around town. I thought that was the right name. So I took it from you. That's great. Yeah. Corel. Corel. Oh, also, I I'm messing up all. I also said, um, I also said Jack Benny when I meant Benny Goodman. We're all over the place tonight. It's, it's a. It's a. It's, it's been a wild day. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, a porn. Uh, you know what I mean? We're just limiting damage, okay? Uh, Jack, I'm not doing it. The video being leaked is not my fault, but for some reason, you think it is. Um, yeah, it, it, that felt like <laughs> anyone who's been in any sort of relationship like this, like when one of you finally decides to say it. Like that, for me, that's what I, so I sort of went, well, here we go. As soon as he said, for, because till this point, neither of us has acknowledged what is obviously true, which is you think I'm wrong. Right. Yes. Yep. Shots fired. Yeah, it's, it's on now. It's on. It's acknowledged. Yep. Now we got to discuss it. This is the point where Coach would say that he would summon Rodman off the bench, his internal Rodman. <laughs> right? Am I right, Coach? How well do we know each other at this point? This is so right, sad. Come on. Let's go. Get in there. I'm talking about your internal personas. <laughs> with regard to, oh, we hang out too much. But this is right. Come on. All right. This is, I will call. You stay on the bench until I call you. But when I call you, you know you're do. allowed to be fully Rodman all the way. I will not restrict Here you. Here we go. But you do not move from now on <laughs> until I call you. Unless we're at a shopping cart corral. All right. Um, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't have made the video in the first place. This is when I, I well, not when, because there have been a number of moments. But I thought it was so interesting that we had two women having this conversation. Because... Jack, who, you know, whose dad wanted her to be a man anyway, blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, that's obviously that male behavior and talked about that with her and Shandy. But there's a, like, who are you talking to? Like, that's how you would say it, like, to, like, your child. Like, yeah, I, that, you talk about my Rodman coming off the bench. That would be my first reaction. Like, who are you talking to? Yeah. And, and yet, coach, and yet, you just talked about the lecture you gave your kids about thinking about the thing after the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hate to say oh, no, it. No, no, I know, I get it. One. I'm just like, what did you think was going to happen? In the whole list of possible outcomes, mm, you mean in terms of Keely? You're saying I got you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, listen. Don't I hate to say it, but I do. I do preach a similar message to my own children. Where I say like, the internet is forever. It, you know, people change. People's ideas change. People, you know, loyalties change. Like you are too young to put something like that out there and expect that 
of the wide, vast spectrum of possible outcomes that one of them will be in your favor. What what uh, you know? What is your what is your hope hope for outcome? And what are the likely outcomes? And let's just walk through it. So, I, you know, why put why open yourself up to to the risk of it? But but um, it's it, I know no 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 I know boss is giving me a look. I'm just saying, <laughs> no. like I, it's just one of those things where you go like, why would I? I, I don't know. I don't know how to like. It's 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 like okay, sure I could shoplift, but like no, oh no 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 no. Well, sorry, wait 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 wait, hold up. We're not going to allow that comparison to stand. You're right. It's a that's a ter- you're right. That's a terrible comparison. I'm trying to think of like what could you do that you could choose not to do it, but you put yourself in. I, again, this is not kink shaming. I, I, people can do it, but like, well, you really it's it's really out of your control. The second it's out of your control, well, it's like fully yes. out of your control. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, boss. You got. It. That is out of your control. And that is something that you could take a calculated risk and decide I'm going to do this because it it makes me feel good about my relationship or whatever sort of situation you have going on with the person receiving the video. Fine. Like, I want to do it right now. This is my sexuality. It makes me feel good about myself and the person I'm sending this to. I am going to do it. It might get leaked, especially if you were a famous person. I would say that Keely was not as famous as she is now when she made it. So that changes the calculation of that risk. What she can expect, regardless of if it comes out, how it comes out, what people say is the people around me who love me and care about me are going to have my back and not tell me that it was my fault for making it. That's what she has control over. Absolutely right. Yes. There's no way right now we should be, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like armchair quarterbacking. Right. Oh, I wish you hadn't made this 20. Yeah, whatever. Monday morning quarterback. You can't, yeah, Monday morning quarterback. It's, it's, yeah, you can't shame Keely for this. I have no, again, I have no problem with the, with Keely making it. And I know people do it all the time and more, more often now than ever before in human history. Um, and yeah, I, God, I never want to side with Jack, uh, but I think like she can't wrap her head around the risk mitigation, you know, or the risk management or the lack of judgment that Keely was raised with, where this is even like a, a thought, like this is even a consideration. She's like, are you, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, this is what, this is what Jack's been contending with her whole, the whole time silently and on her side, she's like, okay, yeah, I'll put this away, but you should have never been in this. You know what I mean? Like she's already has that edge to her in trying to help Keely. So it's not this like, oh, I got your back no matter what. It's I got your back with reservations because you were stupid. Yeah. Well, and also the issue is she is a billionaire's daughter. So the dinosaurs are not going to be fondling her at the party. So she already is coming from a different perspective, a different place, everything else. Even if a dirty video, naughty video, whatever you want to call this, if one of these came out with Jack, she would not be facing the same amount of scrutiny as Keely because Keely is not a billionaire's daughter. So even where she's coming from when she says, like, how could you be so stupid to do this? Well, Jack, you're not going to be in this position regardless of what happened. So you can't judge what Keely did because you have so many privileges that would protect you from the things you say she should have protected herself from. Yeah, and you don't get the sense that Jack uh, is aware of that privilege either. Like it's absolutely she seems not. about that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would say too. There's again, this is another version of what we were talking about earlier. I think there's there's a, always a balance point of like how much of this shit are you going to pick up and deal with or not, right? So there was a point at which my um, and it, it matters that it was my son. My son. Um, was going to head to the mall with a couple of his buddies. They were going to go 
uh, see a movie and then they were going to go shop for some clothes, whatever. Right. And I thought about it and I saw he had on a hoodie and I was like, hey, listen, wear what you want, but do not have that hoodie up once you're walking around the mall. You know, and I, I was like, I'm serious. Like, do not trust me. If you walk through there with a hoodie on, you're going to end up calling me. Don't mm-hmm. do it. And, and, and so there's a version of the world where let's say he did get stopped by mall security. There's a version of the world where I just say, what is this bullshit? What did he actually do? Blah, blah, blah. And I probably would do that. But I think there is part of me, like I'm thinking not to side with Jack, but just trying to think of the dynamic. There is part of me that when we got outside would be like, why the fuck would you put your hoodie up? Like, we are in the United States of America. Like, what are you thinking about? And that, and that yeah. seems messed. Like, I'm thinking about it right now going like, that's such a burden. But it would be part of my reaction. And I absolutely understand that part of the reaction i think the discussion with that would then be a the world should not be like this it should be different we need you to protect yourself because you could be arrested injured killed Mm -hmm. in this situation it is a well Mm -hmm. now people think that you're a dirty whore Mm -hmm. and i can't date a dirty whore Mm -hmm. and my response to that is Fuck you then. Mm-hmm. Like right. when you're talking about something as irrevocable as you could get shot by the cops because yeah. of this, that's one yeah. thing. But yeah. if what you're going to say is I'm going to trust their opinion of you instead of my, my opinion of yeah. you. Fuck you, Jack. Yeah. Absolutely. But, fuck off with that boss, shit. Hold on a sec though, boss. In fairness, that is your reaction to everything. That is that's true. That's your reaction if they Literally don't have everything. the right ice cream. That they is just right, did you know not I mean? have like, pistachio the other night. So yeah, now yeah. I have to go to an entirely different place. But, but you, I love that you use the term protection, and I, I couldn't divorce myself from the fact that as I'm listening to this, and we're talking about the, you know, this, you know, this perception and for where Jack is coming from. Coach and I are both our primary role is protector. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So we're both mm-hmm. thinking of it from like, oh, I wouldn't want my my son or daughter to have to go through the heartache I know might happen. So just don't open yourself up to it. And Coach is saying, I wouldn't want my son to go through the 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 danger or violence or potential nightmarish scenario mm. that happens only if you just put the hood down and then that's not – well, I'm going to say it's not but, an option at all, but it's le- certainly less of an option. Um, and But but Keeley responds – read the next line, boss, because this is interesting about how Keeley, you know, responds to that. I don't regret making that video and I don't regret sending it. Fuck yeah. Character. Fuck yes, Keeley. Do it. Character. Oh, we we skipped over the line. It's not certainly not something to be proud of. Oh, Keely. yeah, we didn't that say was that. shitty. It's certainly uh, again, not something to be proud again, of. Again, to me, that's she's talking to her like she is a child. Child. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's really disrespectful. Yep. And also the next line, um, are there more out there? How much more of this do I have to worry about if I'm going to stay with you? Mm-hmm. No, you're already. See, see so I think the difference is you guys are protectors. Like that is your role and it is part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And mine is not so much protector as who's the bitch that hurt you. I will cut her. Mm-hmm. Like whatever role that is, <laughs> like, that's, I'm coming in mm-hmm. after like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I feel that every single episode. <laughs> every single one. It makes sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Are there more out there? Keely has this really – she she really 
you know, she leans into the, I want to say, by the way, I forgot to mention Keely is uh, physically is, is, you know how Keely's always so put together and whatever. This is like the second, um, no, no, this is the first of two episodes of two scenes where her hair is like fully down and not done. Mm. And it's just so strange to see Keely with her hair like that, you know, because she, she does so much work on her hair. Um, but she sits back and she goes, I don't know. But I thought I was like, wow, this is interesting. She doesn't know. Has she done this so much that she's not sure she doesn't remember who she sent these to or she doesn't know the ones that she sent if where they ended up. Like, I'm very, I was curious about that line, but the fact that like, it was honest and saying like, I'm owning the fact that I, I can't accurately put a tally on this. I thought it was interesting. Well, I mean, anything more than once would merit that. And I, and I, and on some level it felt, and it, and I think it, you know, to, to the conversation we had around the parking lot and Roy, I, again, I just feel this like d- desire yeah. to like really possess Keely, like se- sexually, like th- the possession of her is a thing that comes up in the show, and and I just think for Jack, it that's part of what's going on. I mean, it seems not far from you know. You see guys online saying, you know, you got to know her body count and all this kind of stuff. It's like, bruh. Wait, what does that mean? What I don't know. What it that means, means like how many per, how many people has the the, the girl or woman uh, slept with? Oh, 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 oh. yeah. You know? It unfortunately is not when you're hiring an assassin and trying to figure out. I was how like, that's well some cool villainelle shit. Yeah, I'm really attracted to her. <laughs> no. She has murdered three people. Like, damn. Yeah, she's quick that's on the draw. How, yeah. That's how Daphne got me. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would believe you. I'd absolutely believe you. Uh, I, I yeah. think also with the way that Keely delivered, I don't know, is if you cannot get over this right now, if you cannot accept that there might be other videos out there and that we might need to deal with this later, then we're done. Like this for me was her yeah. drawing that yeah. line. Like, I don't know. Oh. I didn't read it that way, but that's cool. That is cool. That's a cool. I'm going to have to watch it and see if that, because the next line, she's breathing shakily. It's even in the, in the um, captions, breathes shakily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought she was just trying to get her head around it and be honest about the fact, like whatever that she doesn't know. And then Jack starts moving, th- putting her clogs on. And uh, by the way, Jack's attire in this, in this scene, do you notice that like that? It almost looked like a bad Christmas sweater. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, what is oh, Jack go has the strangest wardrobe I've ever like it wasn't just the scene. There's so many scenes where I'm like, what is Jack wearing? Any, anyway, um hmm. whatever. I don't I I, I I don't know, it's a mystery to me. That that sweater was so bananas. Um but she goes, What are you doing? Keely says, What are you doing? So that's why I thought, oh, she this wasn't an ultimatum. She was just trying to drum up the energy to just get out an answer that Jack she knew Jack wouldn't like. But I like that you that you read like okay, cuz even if she does, even if it's part ultimatum and then she goes what are you doing? Like she you don't expect someone's going to take you up on. You know like if you can't get over this then fine, you got to go and then they start going. You're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but it's interesting. I I think sort of with all of the things that have happened throughout the day with the mini golf and 
not being taken to the polo match and being introduced as a friend and everything else. It felt like this was, everybody knew this was coming. They both knew that this was coming. There was sort of like a last ditch effort where Jack was like, if you can make the statement, we can make this better and we could be fine. And Keely's like, nope, if you can get here with me, we can make this better and we could be fine. And both of them walked away. Like she said, I don't know if there are any more tapes. Keely said, where are you going? Jack says, I think I should go. Keely says, are you coming back? And Jack says, I don't know. And that for me is like, oh, we're broken up. That's it. We're done. I I think it's interesting that Keely, um, we've seen a scene similar to this with Keely when she explodes at Roy and he uh storms out. He rants, oh, I look like an idiot, blah, 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 and he storms out. And she cries what I would assume, I mean, we cut, but like what I would assume was like inconsolable crying. Like the next morning, like let, let me apply something cold to my face, right, so I can go out. I think she's disappointed here, but she's not heartbroken. I mean, I don't, like, I I get it. I mean, I get it's a breakup, but yeah, I think she wasn't all the way in yet. They hadn't gotten to all that yet. I do think she was more, it was a more getting to know you phase. And I think our, so many of our relationships have taken off and we're supposed to regard them as like, now this is a thing. Sam and Rebecca are now a thing that is happening. And I'm not sure that Jack and Keely were ever quite supposed to be quite that Uh, well said coach um and now what we have is so jacked out keely says right to herself she's like right um and we cut to nate and jade which is i mean listen i am some people are gluttons for punishment um I can't think of Come a better, on, a more fun thing than to go from Keely and Jack right to Nate and Jade. There's no chaser. Um, <sighs> but we go to Nate and Jade. Uh, Jade says, do you want to go out and celebrate? Nate is on his laptop. Celebrate what? She says, didn't you win today? Oh, yeah, but uh, no, no, no. That's okay, though. Already working on the next one. So um, Jade gives him some wine, turns his chin to her, and she says, you should enjoy your victories. Um, she says, it looks like they did. And we see... Uh, Ted, the picture of the very image right at the moment where Ted waves to Nate, you know, and shrugs or whatever, uh, from the sidelines when he was uh, in the stands at West Ham, uh, looks like they did. And then Nate kind of looks at it and then that breaks into a smile. She says, there it is. What? I love your smile. I like to see my, all right, wait, all right, I'm going to stop right here. It's hard to analyze this scene from the perspective of someone that is actually rooting for Nate. When you, um, let's say we have a couple different versions of Nate. Uh, we have Nate the Great. We have Nate the, the guy spitting in mirrors. We have Evil Nate. You know, all these different versions. We have Nate in all black uh, on the sidelines, not waving to Henry. There's all various, you know, iterations of who Nate is and whatever. Um, if you're a fan of the show in the way that Coach and I are fans of the show, you root for Nate. And you want Nate to come back and you want to sort of, like, more Coach than me because Kind of, I was like in the crowd where I said, like, I don't really want him to come back um, because of the call in thing, but I'm open to being convinced by the writers. Um, it, when you, 
you have that kind of Nate, but then you also have the Nate and Jade thing. And the one thing that I, I have a lingering, uh, I think it's more of a bummer than a criticism is that throughout their courtship, we never saw a real conversation to get them to this point. Like we always, we saw that them sitting in the, in the taste of Athens, but we mm-hmm. dollied around it outside the window. And we saw, we, you know, a couple little beats like, Oh, Buck, Baklava's divine or whatever. to talk like my grand or whatever that is. That's fine. That's like one line. That's not, you know, from that's not from uh, you know where a relationship doth spring, and so you say like, okay, like where, where, like can we get a little more meat on the bone here? And then you say, oh, they're gonna have a date. Great, she shows up. She's like, wait, you didn't think I would come? There's like that little beat, and then we're out. And then we again pan away. So we didn't get these beats to maybe nurture the sense in us as an audience that oh you know when will she give him the the label or well you know what i mean like and i like jade and i've said once i found once i found out jade is from poland you know she can do no wrong in my eyes um but i like the actor uh adita budnick i think she does a great job um i like that she has sort of a a very crazy dry sense of humor and that she's got a little twist to her i think all that is really great um but one of the things i i feel a little bit it's not like it like cheated but i just say like oh god i really wish we had a little bit more context to have explored this relationship so that we could be there with them and enjoy this internal victory between the two of them where she acquiesces to you know his labeling uh you know sort of dynamic um anyway read the rest of this please coach so Jade says, I love your smile. I like to see my boyfriend happy. So that's the the, the win because we know we were sort of fumbling around about whether or not we care about labels before. So Nate says, boyfriend. Uh, Jade says, hmm, yeah, if you're into labels. And then Nate, yeah, no, I'm into labels. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, he's sort of fumbling around. And then he smiles and says, this is Jade. She's my girlfriend. Um, and uh, sounds good, doesn't it? Nate, that's my boyfriend. Nate's your boyfriend? Yeah, have you met him? He's amazing. Thank you very much. So very cutesy, you know, definitely. We, I, I, I'm I, with you. And you know that, that I felt like the stuff with Jade, I didn't, I didn't really get how it came to pass. Um, so yeah, this, this, this more so felt like, I get it. Okay, got it. Yep. I got it. I got the story beat. I know what's happening. I know they've taken a step forward. I know that she's going to be the kind of force in his life that says, hey, you need to appreciate the wins. I get it. Um, So it delivered from my head, but it did not deliver from my heart. It didn't it didn't bring me in um, to it. I guess I like her more because we're seeing some stuff and the stuff she's saying. I'm like, yeah, this is all good for Nate. So thank God Nate's got somebody to tell them some smart things, but yeah, I'm not. If they, if, is, if, if, if where, they broke up in the next scene, I'd be like, all right. This is where, so whenever we talk about things like this, Coach and I do our soft shoe, and then I look at Boss, she un, <laughs> she unclicks her microphone, she unmutes it, and I and I get the, like, the, the visceral <laughs> desire to light a cigarette and just sit back and enjoy. <laughs> 
don't smoke. It's like it's was, like beard. It's like in you know, our beard and beard after hours. Like we sit down and we're like, so here's what we think about the scene. <laughs> And like I've been waiting to be asked those questions. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I just think that it's such a disappointing turn in terms of writing, in that we are supposed to be seeing Nate on his redemption arc, and a big part of his redemption arc is he manages to convince this wonderful girl to, your wonderful woman, to date him. Okay. So we don't really see him becoming better. We see him dating a woman and that is supposed to be an indication that he is better, even though we haven't seen him do that work. That's fine. Okay. Now they're dating. He is concerned about becoming her boyfriend. He wants the label. So he talks to some random other guys about it instead of addressing it with her. Therefore, again, not being able to address the problems that he was having with Ted earlier in the last season or any of the things going on in this season, not doing that work either. She takes it upon herself to say, I am your girlfriend. You are my boyfriend, thereby showing he is, in fact, better because he secured the girlfriend by doing nothing, by not talking to her, by not addressing his feelings, by not doing any actual work to become a better person who would like deserve Jade as his girlfriend. It is all showing us he is becoming better without him doing anything. And it's a letdown of a scene. If he had even said, listen, I talked to, to my buddies earlier about this today at work, and I really want you to be my girlfriend. How do you feel about that? Even that would have been something. But instead, mm. she takes the, the impetus to say, I'm your girlfriend and you're my boyfriend. And he doesn't do anything in it. Boss, I don't know if that's true that he doesn't do anything. I, I would argue that wherever he goes, he carpet bombs the entire area with little dick energy. Yeah, he does do that too. So he, do, he you know what I mean? He, do, he really does put that out there, which I think should usually translate into uh, a girlfriend deciding to be a Eventually, yeah, I think that's everybody how, decides, yeah. yes. Oh my God, this poor guy. He I think it's in the like Bible. He boss. dislikes himself so much. He has a really low opinion of himself. <laughs> he doesn't really talk to other people. He's not, he has nothing to bring to the table. We must bring him things that he can bring to the table. Therefore, he will stop being sad. Great. Love that. Love to have that. Yeah, the yarn wall for Nate is always a little bit off. And we lament it because, God, you go back to that, the great Roy Kent moment. And you just go, oh, my God, the potential. Um, And, and. I, you know, as we go through this, we're going to finish off all these episodes. I will, I will, I feel like we're going to look back on this show. And one of the things I'm always going to be amazed is that um, Hannah Waddingham pulled off Rebecca Welton while being as filthy rich as she is. And we still loved her. <laughs> and like somehow mm-hmm. she got away with it. I'm always like, you mm-hmm. have to be the best actor in the world to do that as first of all. Uh, mm-hmm. And second of all, I think, Oh, we're going to look back and go, damn it. Damn it. I wish, I wish some of these decisions about judgment, some of the choices in the writer's room where they decided to take a character down a certain alleyway, a darker path, uh, en route to the uh, ultimate lasso way result, I think d- didn't ultimately help the character or the show um, in certain certain cases. And, and there's, but and I, and it, unfortunately, they really did it. I thought they made mistakes with certain beloved characters, 
where I'm like, damn, I think we really didn't have to have to do. We didn't need that beat. But anyway, that's a that's a thing for a few episodes I, later. It's it's interesting. I mean, we'll we'll have a, a few opportunities to discuss it. I will, I will say that even as my own frustration with the Nate storyline here, and I've expressed it to the, on this episode and others, but I, I do feel we talked about that ownership piece, and even um, Brendan Hunt talking about you know people taking things personally, and I know I've heard a lot of oh so everything's always fine. This show is basically like an ice cream social with a big budget. And you're saying, oh, you gave us too much of the dark, man. I just, just, just stay in the light. Let's enjoy it. So I do, I, I, I think there are certainly legit criticisms and they could come from different uh, directions. And I think earlier in this, I was, I I didn't go there because the conversation moved on, but I was thinking about the fact that there are things, there have been moments in Ted Lasso, and this episode is more full of them than I would have thought. There are moments in Ted Lasso that I wouldn't say I liked, as in like, meaning something I'm like actively enjoying, like, you know what I'm saying? But that I appreciated all of it. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe a little bit of me experiences this show the way I imagine Ted experienced the Van Gogh exhibit where some things may really hit you. Other things may not hit you as much. It doesn't mean I want them to take that painting out of the museum. It's just maybe sunflowers really hits me and that's that, you know? So I, so I think there have been a few different places where for me, I thought, eh, that, that's not what, that wasn't what I was hoping for. Or that wasn't what, but I've, I've, I, it hasn't made me feel that it detracts from the parts I do actually like. And I, I feel like the parts that I'm, I'm just, a, that I'm able to appreciate make that all work too. Like that's all part of it. Yes, absolutely. And I say on Twitter often, or a lot of places, I love when people love things. If you love something, I want you to love it. Genuinely. I, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. it is, unless it's, it, well, we won't get into that. If it's, if it is like not Goebbels work, I want you to love it if you love it. And I want it to bring you joy. Or the I want Cubs. It to make you happy. Or the Cubs. Jesus Christ. Come on. How are I you mean, supposed Jesus. to love them? You can't. But, um, so I do want, if you love this scene, if you love the Nate redemption arc, everything about it, please do. And I really genuinely hope that my dissatisfaction with it does not rain on anybody's parade. That is not what I'm here for. However, I think that the idea that other people don't love a thing that you love, if that somehow reduces your love for it, I would ask you to investigate that rather than to yell at people who said... Ted and Rebecca shouldn't be a couple. Like, I feel like there is a weird relationship with art. Brendan Hunt uh, alluded to it and how people got mad at them about things. Like, the creators are going to make their show. We are going to have a reaction. Hopefully that discussion adds something for you. If it doesn't, like, you do what you need to do. But I can't pretend to love something just because other people do. 
So stop giving I, us one I, star I, reviews is what we're saying. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying give them all to me because I feed on that shit. I'm like I'm like Bishop with that. Did you see what they said about you? Yeah, I'm gonna cackle harder, bitches. <laughs> cackle harder, bitches. Oh, these t-shirts gonna be lit. Okay, so uh, we, uh, okay, I think that's the, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to, to add to the uh, Nate and Jade of it all. Uh, we cut to Keeley's uh, where she is in bed alone, finally. I'm actually, as, as a fan of Keeley's, I'm like, good, like, be alone and, and explore this. And you don't have to be a serial monogamist. And, you know what I mean? It's okay to take a little bit of time to to sit back and analyze and, and explore alone. Um, I noticed also she had uh, fresh flowers next to her bed. And I was like, Oh, that's such an interesting little touch that she has these fresh flowers. Um, uh, you know, after all the stuff with, with Babs, um, we get a doorbell ring and who is it at the door boss? It's Jamie. And for all of my complaints on the show, Jamie and Keely still make me incredibly happy. So mm-hmm. I really, really like them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um uh we we might note that um when Roy showed up, he was dressed uh as the man in black, completely head to toe in dark colors. When Jamie shows up, he is all in white. All in white. And it looked to nice. me like did he tuck his sunglasses into his hoodie, or does the hoodie have sunglasses built into the hood part? Oh, that's funny. Do you see that, Bob? I, I didn't. I didn't notice. I was what? just like, "Is that a thing? Like a hoodie with sunglasses in it?" I mean, I'm sure somebody somewhere has done it. Yeah. So it seems like it's some sort of goggle type thing, but definitely it is built into the hoodie. So you would pull the hoodie all the way down over part of your face. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Damn, it's it's a weird look. Maybe it's fashionable. I don't know. Yeah, it's like grimace." Um, yes. Right? Didn't but, Grimace have like a thing pulled no, over? No, ham, hamburger Yeah. Is what you're thinking of with his mask. Grimace just has a. Oh, Grimace is just purple. But wait, which, purple. oh, no, no, which one? Oh, that's not what I'm thinking. It's a character on. Oh, God. What was it that. Ah, Jesus. What was it that Bill Cosby used to. Uh, oh. He used to Fat do, Albert? Yeah, Fat Albert. Right, Fat Albert. And one of the characters the, on Fat, Fat Albert, Albert didn't cartoon. He, yeah, didn't yeah, he yeah, have yeah. The, char- the thing pulled over and then. Gl- and then goggles over it or glasses over it. Coach, come on. I am the to, least I'm black picture. person it's, you're not on talking this podcast. About the, you're not talking about the character I was thinking of who's got on like the kind of semi-ski mask. Oh, so it's I, a... My brain yeah. went in the wrong direction. Wait, no, you're thinking pink hat all the way down to like underneath his nose. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Oh, no, that's just... Yeah, but that's kind of what it is, right? Well, but it's actual... It's dumb, like, dumb goggles. Yeah. No, these are full on like actual goggles. Like there are lenses, sunglasses in in the hoodie. Yeah. Do you see the, yeah. the character I'm talking about though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's got yeah, eye yeah. he's got eye holes cut in to a hat. But that's it's, just a hat. Oh, that's no, is like, that that's it, a hat. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So to me it's like the, the that feels more like the jacket sleeves with the thumb holes. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, who asked for that? I just want to know who asked for it. I know we got oh, other oh, shit God. to talk about. No, no, no. Cold, who asked for cold that? What women. the fuck is that? I don't women get it. Women with cold wrists, man. 
Cold yeah, wrist, the, really? The is cold dog. wrist a thing? Cold, cold the hands. thumb holes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's for emo kids. We used to cut those holes into, because you wanted the sweater, the shirt to go all the way down past your hand, but then your thumb was stuck inside. But the look, like the Kurt Cobain look, was that yeah. the shirt sleeve goes down to your fingers, covering your whole hand. So you needed to cut a thumb hole so you could stick your thumb So you could get out. your thumb through. So then they started making them for us. I have like workout gear that has them in there. You oh, know, yeah. Jamie Tart no, wears several. thumb sleeves. Like for his with his kit with his Richmond kit, yeah, yeah, he sure does. Do you know that coach? I didn't notice that. I did not notice. Yeah, that. yeah, it's funny. That's why I thought you were calling it out because Jamie is the one. That... Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. He's an I, icon. I, you know, I have jackets with the, the habit. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I am aware. He had something else on. I will find it. Never mind. I was going to say in an episode somewhere. It was like the the opposite of helpful. So we can move on. I will find though. At some he he at some point his character starts playing with that icon, um, design. Okay, yeah, I want to hear about that. Um, so yeah, Jamie says what here, boss? So I'm sorry to just drop in on you. I just um I was nervous to text you. And Keeley says, yeah, I mean, like, you and everyone in my family. And he says, they chuckle a little bit. And he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted to check on you, see how you're doing. It's just so fucking shit, all of this. And she says, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, doing all right. And he says, yeah. She goes, mm-hmm. And he says, that's good. Uh, and I also just wanted, I wanted to apologize. And she says, no, you don't have to do that. And he says, no, 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 I do. And I do. And Keely says, Jamie, this is not your fault. Jamie says, no, it is my fault. And I let me just, I just need to tell you, I deleted it off my phone way back when we broke up. I deleted everything. I mean, not straight away, because I did think that maybe you and me was going to get back together again. But then he started going out with Roy. And that's when I deleted most of it. Well, like half. <clears throat> but that was mostly just out of anger, to be honest, because, well... So I think great. I thought the only reason the two of you were going out was to make me jealous. Mm. But when I saw it was real and then then I got rid of it all. I just forgot about the fucking emails. It was so stupid. Mm. I should have been more careful. I should have picked a stronger password or something. Oh, no, Keely says. Don't tell me your password was password, Jamie. Well, to be fair, I did think I'd fool him because I spelled it with two S's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Keely. I uh, love this scene so much. This scene, I really did love. I really yeah. loved this scene. Yeah. I, I mean, love. Yeah, yeah. Walk us through it then. Talk. Tell me what you love. And boss, you were going to say something. So you finish up. And then coach, walk. tell me what you love about it. So I do love it. I love so much that Jamie is taking accountability, that he is being a good friend to Keely, that is he, he is acknowledging their past and his feelings on it, but that he's being mature and upfront with her on this. My only slight hesitation with it is he seems to be under the misconception that if they are in the relationship currently, somehow him having photos puts her at less risk. Like, if we are going to be dealing with this from a right. don't He's make the video unless... Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there were a lot of women when uh, that big leak happened eight years ago. I think Jennifer Lawrence at the time was uh, dating 
about a boy. What is his name? Nicholas Holt. Yes. Um, they were in a long-term committed relationship and filming on opposite sides of the world. And she sent him some nudie photos and those were leaked. And they stayed dating after that. Like her being in that relationship did not protect her from that. So either he is thinking it's okay if I keep photos of my girlfriend, either because she will be protected by me being her boyfriend, or it is important enough for me to have them that if they get leaked, it doesn't matter because we're together right now. Like there's a disconnect for me there that should be addressed in larger society, but I understand where he's coming from. It just felt like. In fairness, he did use two S's. I mean, yeah, he spelled it all weird. So how could they even, I mean, that's like, yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. Um, the, the Jamie of it all is coach. You didn't, you didn't weigh in on, on this. Oh no. I, I mean, I, I, well, I love that Jamie It's sort of, um, we've had a couple of moments where we said, is this really how this would unfold? I felt like this was exactly how this would unfold. I felt that Jamie, you know, there is a, there's a bit of nervousness oversharing that just is all, there also is a bit of Jamie, you know, when you get told that you're a sexy baby, you know what I mean? Like he just, he thinks this, I'm sure he thinks all these details of this are of some level of pertinence to her. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you did half and the other part, and the other part, you know. Um, so I love that he handled it that way. Um, I also, in terms of his arc, I mean, how far have we come from, you know, that, that, that he's now doing this? And I know we talked about that, but I, I, I think, I've said, I think Jamie's the poster child for the lasso way. And this moment for me captures that. Um, and, 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 and in this moment, to his credit, she and Roy are not together. He's not under the misconception that they are together, but he's not sending funny emojis, right? I mean, he's, you know, he is there to apologize and to check on her. And that is truly it. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought it showed him at his, um, at his new best and in a way that was funny, right? Like it wasn't just a, a stand. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Tart, one of two characters, our listeners found to have a perfect, every single person oh, yeah, who yeah, responded yeah. gave him a 10 out of 10. Um, and so yeah, this moment really contributed to that. Boss, I want to just point out, put a little pin in it, that you said, oh, he's being a good friend to Keely, which I... Yep, we'll talk about that. Okay. Mm, mm-hmm. okay that's going to come up. Uh, thank you, Jamie. She hugs him and says, thank you, Jamie. And then we cut. And I was like, damn it. I really would have liked to have seen what happens next. Interesting. But that's okay. Um, now we cut to Richmond on the street. Uh, good old Jake. Man, Dr. Jake is hamming it up in a red phone booth. He asks uh, someone to take a picture <laughs> of him at the box. And they say, yeah. And then he adjusts the phone. The person is. It's funny because. For different reasons, landscape or portrait can be cardinal law with certain people. Like, so for Mm. me, I'm a landscape person. Oh, it's always sideways, no matter what, because usually our pictures end up on on the scroll on our TV, and the TV is shaped that way. And so it just makes sense for it to – that's where we watch a lot of them and, you know, our screensaver and stuff like that. Um, And But my daughter – will be like, yeah, it's got to go portrait because it's Instagram and, you know, whatever. So so mm-hmm. it's really, you know, and I won't fault either one. Um, 
but Jake adjusts it so that the person is in portrait. And um, yeah. So everybody likes Jake, so I don't even want to get go into it because everybody right, right. loves loves Doctor Jake. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely the show makes a point of like it's not even because I really I really can't stand them at just like viscerally, but also this just made me go like, oh, what a loser! Like, so I, I think that's a different thing, and 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 did make me go, huh? You know. We have a moment in a moment. It will have a moment in a moment, but that you know, sort of underscored like, mm, is this guy, is this guy getting it done, or what's what's going on here? Getting it done. Period. Like with Michelle, with Henry, like what's he doing? Nobody else is taking pictures with him. You notice that? Oh, uh, we all right. went on a trip. But I'm gonna go take a picture by myself by a phone booth. Like, what is happening right now? That's a good point, Coach. All right, you have won the uh, good point Olympics, and you should walk us through the rest <laughs> rest of this scene, please. All right, hold on. So we've got um, okay. So all right, uh, take a good one. All right, smile. There we go. Uh, we have the shutter click sound. Uh, security entry buzzes. We're inside Ted's flat. Ted, all right, big guy, time to roll. Let's do it. Michelle walks in. Bonjour. In here from Ted. Hi, kiddo. She gasps. Um, Ted chuckles. Uh, Henry yells, Mom, I missed you. Michelle, did you have fun with your dad? Yeah, he's going to buy me a drum kit. Oh, is he really? Um, I thought that that that's that felt like a fun like actual moment that would go down between people who are co-parenting and a drum kit in particular we got our we got our kids a drum kit when they were little so um yeah it's, you have to have a certain kind of house for that to be an acceptable move and uh yeah i go, will go, only go ahead. only say that i'm a very good aunt to my friends and family to the the parents of who I'm the aunt to, because my rules are toys do not make noises, do not have batteries, and have no small parts. Those are the only gifts that I give to children. That's that is very kind. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know. That is very I know it is. so like didgeridoos. Exactly. Yes. No. I actually uh, for a while I was trying to get all of the kids in my life the um, there's a monster at the end of this book book for them like first birthday or so because. Nothing is ever as scary as you think it might be once you get to the end of it. And I feel like that's a good message for children. Look, Look at, at you, boss. Look, we're so I know. We're so I fucking know. You can't fool me. You wow. life affirming as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it out. I almost, I almost laughed. I was like, come on, man. Come on. Get it together. Yep. Under that, under that hard candy shell, there's, there's some sweet goodness on the inside there, Coach. Yep, yep. Much as she tries to hide, she's blushing right now, everybody. She's, her face is red. Well, I also was just cackling and leaned over, so the blood rushed to my head. But oh, yes, yes, blushing too. Got it. Okay. Um, uh, you know what? Love you, buddy. Love you too, Dad. All right, go on. Get out of here. Uh, I don't know where he gets these ideas. Uh, hey, oh, hey, don't forget this thing. He hands Michelle the bag she goes to grab it he locks in focuses on her left hand ring finger is empty 
She's like, what are you, what are you doing? It's awkward. Oh, sorry. I was, I was screwing around. Uh, how was Paris? Eh, it was all right. Uh, Ted says, well, that's, that's what's known for city of all rights. Yeah. Come on. Just yeah. where, that's where like, you just hit the gong on the gong show. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, uh, come on, mom. Uh, it was good seeing you. Good seeing you too. Ted says, you know, Dave girl learned to play drums on pillows. As she walks out, I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That was a cool yeah, little." Yeah, really cool. It's like she's she's mm-hmm. funky. She knows like you guys were married. There's also this little beat there with them where I was like, "Oh, it's just like I can kind of see them together." I like, yeah. And, and he said, "Good to see you." It was good seeing you. When he says, "Good seeing you too," he meant it differently than she meant it. You know what I mean? Like he's still mm-hmm. crazy about her, and yeah, you know the pain is so raw for him, and but but he's holding it together barely. Um. Anyway, I thought it was. I uh, thought it was interesting. Uh, to do to do small by Marcel Amon plays, and uh, do we see Ted look out the window, and what does he see down there, uh, boss? He sees Henry running into the car. Doctor Jake trying to give him like a high five or something, and Jake just barreling right past him into the back seat. Yeah, paying no attention. That that would be the moment that I was uh. Early of reference. Yes. Yeah. It's like a, it's it's like also, a fist bump. He Henry, just puts the fist out there, yeah. leaves it hanging. Henry That's just blows look, ass right yeah. into the taxi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, just to make sure, uh, the the Dave Grohl fact is one that Ted mentioned earlier in this episode. Like I, I, I need I need that stated that this, yeah, 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 yeah. they yeah, are still on the same level in a lot of ways, even if they aren't together. That's what exactly. I was suggesting, boss. Yes, I'm yes, glad, yes. You, glad you clarified that. But that's what I'm saying. You you see that little, you know, whatever, whatever it is that there's that connectivity there. Um, Michelle looks back to where Ted, Michelle and, and uh, Jacob have a little thing at the door. She hands him some stuff to Sherpa to the other side of the car. And then he walks around and she looks back, kind of catches Ted, it looks like. Like, right? Is that what mm-hmm. the, the vibe was? So she's like, looks up. And he, because he gives him, because he waves, and she waves. Or I think she waves first. He waves back, and then he does like this little hand thing where he's like, "Hey, I'm, I was just, I'm not, I'm not." Why does he put his hands up? Like I'm innocent. Like what? What does that be? Hmm. I I feel like I need to rewatch it. What I what I pulled from it, you know, as I as I was watching it, was it felt to me not necessarily that she wanted him to be watching but she wondered if he was and i think he probably to me it felt a lot like i'm not saying i love you i'm just you know standing by my window seeing you guys go you know like so i I did i think he was probably trying to you know not make more of it but i i think it's noteworthy that she looked back yeah it's almost like he's mouthing I'm okay. It, like the way his hand goes up, it's kind of like, oh no, mm. no, no, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just seeing mm, you guys off. Like I'm that okay. That makes sense. I'm okay. That I'm makes good. Sense. Yeah. Especially because the last time that she and Henry left London yeah. was when yeah. they were getting divorced. So this yep. would be a like, are, mm-hmm. are you doing okay? Is it breaking your mm-hmm. heart right now that we're leaving because last mm-hmm. time it did? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, the Carter closes. Ted turns away, walks back into his apartment. Like with, I was like, interesting that they took this shot of him 
sort of like getting back to business or it looked like he had something to do. And then we cut to black and we're out. And uh, if we can do four parts for season three, episode eight, hell, we can do anything. <laughs> Um, I tell you, I, feel like we, this, this I whole, really enjoyed these conversations. It's so funny. There was all this bracing, and I, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, we that's the thing. Good. We really we had our own uh, little little uh, <laughs> we had our own spice to it. Uh, I, you know, it felt like this episode felt a little bit like uh, True Detective season three to me. Um, uh, in, in that it was a uh, uh, lesser than, but um, yeah, it was uh. You know, they've, they've done it again. How dare you? <laughs> you go you go too far. You go too far. Uh, there were very uh, there were nice moments in this episode, despite uh, uh, some 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 uh, hiccupy uh, stuff. And um, but listen, I'm glad that we we were able to, to walk through this together. Uh, I'm always uh, blown away by the insight of. Our boss Emily Chambers and Coach Bishop, so so just bristling with intellect. Um, uh, I, I listen. I, will I miss this episode? I will not. The answer is I will not. <laughs> but that's okay because I think for we have better that. things on the horizon. I think like this was the low point of the season for me, and I think whether or not it actually it does get better for me. I'll say for me it gets better. Um, uh, but. You know, it, we'll discuss. This is really interesting because this was a crystallizing point for a lot of people for where the gloves came off finally for Ted Lasso. It was like before this episode, people almost felt guilty criticizing it at all. Or and then after this episode, it was a pivot point where the uh, the community, the watching community of Ted Lasso, became divided in many ways, not just one way. But mm-hmm. this is when you started to hear the show was never good. From the, that contingent, oh, God. that's when you hear, uh, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is like you know, you know, a travesty." This is also, I said uh, when we started doing this, uh, I think I on our message board or something, I said, "Oh, this is when Ted Lasso, you know, runs into a little bit of trouble." And boss like texted me back. She's like, "You and I have a different, <laughs> we have a different take <laughs> on when it ran into trouble, my friend." But um, it's very true. Yeah, I mean, I. I feel like I have been more of an appreciator of this show than a diehard mm-hmm. fan for a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. think that that means that I, I am not, I will never, I will absolutely never say that the show was always bad. The show wasn't bad. It, there were mm-hmm. moments of brilliance. There was magnificent episodes. It might have not had some of the things that I was looking for in it in the first season, but to say, Oh well, it's all garbage, and it always has been. Is just a lie, it, not a lie, but that's whoever is saying that is like way overcorrecting in order to make up for some hurt that they have felt because of the show. I get that. I just can't agree with you. All right, Coach. Where do people find you if they want to find you? So, uh, folks have been saying some incredibly kind things, and I do appreciate it uh, in terms of how uh, I show up on this uh, podcast. And uh, I want to let you know that if you come over to check out Unstuck AF, 
uh, which is my podcast. I'm interviewing folks and having uh, different kind of deep dive conversations, but we're doing a little more diving into some of the stories of people's lives and what they've been through and how they've gotten through it. So if you, uh, yeah, if you want to check something out, something else out that means a lot to me, Unstuck AF, wherever you get your podcasts. I, I can vouch for the fact that um, it is wonderful and you don't have to uh, hear one iota of me or the unseemly <laughs> irritating shrieking of the witch queen of Chicago. Not yet, but I am working on a plan. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Why don't you, no, why don't not. you ever invite Boss onto your podcast, dude? Well, you know, it's funny you just said that because I just <laughs> thought it. I j- oh, literally, I no. just this minute was like, "This is not what I meant." On. I didn't mean you're going to have me on to talk to me. I meant like I'm going to go haunt the background of your podcast and scare mm-hmm. your guests. Is what I was thinking. No, no, you should have her I, on. You should have her. You on. should. We'll talk. Should we, we will talk. We will her, talk. Her Jesus Christ! Where she is a is just a hayseed blown in the wind. Holy shit. You guys have no idea what you're in for. I love it. I love it. Boss, where do we- <laughs> in this special episode, we only do an hour, boss. So you oh, don't no, feel like, uh, they'll feel like an appetizer to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get up through H5 in that case. It sounds good. <laughs> boss, where do people find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at dumbly underscore chambers and hopefully writing more this week as soon as I find time at uh, Antagonist's blog, or at The Antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com. I have so many articles to write. It's crazy. I've been I watching so many wow, shows to try to come down from Ted Lasso, and I have so yes. much to say about so many things. But part of, like, when you start podcasting, like writing feels like work. Right. No, yeah. you're just like, oh, yeah. now I have to work instead of just bullshit for seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feel, yeah. you can, it's like, oh, now my fingers have to do something. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I got. I have. I have so many. T- I, I mean, my God, jury duty. The new Star Trek dropped. Um, I was watching. I mean, I really so, want to see jury duty. Oh God, I have so many thoughts about it. But anyway, our friend group was over the moon about it, and I started it, and then I thought, huh. Is, it, is this for me? And and then and then, but then they said like you really got to stick with it. And they're people I I trust. Like they're the people yeah, I send yeah. like my work to. They're the first people I send yeah, my work yeah. to, and and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, and then I finished, and I was like, okay, I have thoughts. <laughs> like, what was the juice worth the squeeze? Um, it, it is excellent in many many ways. I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm putting it down, but it, like I think for a certain type of person, they did they had like a sort of a tactical choice at the beginning, and you'll see when you start it. Um, but anyway, okay. fascinating stuff. So so, coach, I'm gonna stop you because there's something I I I, I want to do. This is special for real, seriously. Um, today, as we record, tomorrow would be will be uh, 25th wedding anniversary for Daphne and me. Oh, wow. And Holy shit. I just, yeah, I'm just uh, wanting to celebrate that. So, yeah. Aww, 25 years. You. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Wow. Pretty wild. No Pretty man wild. has ever been less deserving of <laughs> such an absolutely amazing I, I, woman. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Except What's for my me, advice? Coach. Except for me. Get to her. Get to her at eighteen when she still doesn't understand why you're no good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's been, it's been unbelievable. 
It's been unbelievable. So, yeah. So, we got a couple 18-year-olds, 25 years. I don't even know who I'm talking about. I feel like I'm talking about my parents' friends. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's wonderful. You guys are an inspiration. And um, I know I've uh, just having a having a, a, a seat in the back watching you guys grow and expand together and 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 uh, be be so god you such an amazing couple it, it is to see an amazing couple does such so much for the world because there's so many shitty couples <laughs> that you see an amazing one it is it is bountiful for the world and uh what a thing to model for your children and your neighbors and your friends and i know yeah you and daphne have been a huge inspiration to juliana and, and i and um yeah we thank wow, you thanks 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 appreciate it man that was genuine man yeah it's Aww. the truth it's the truth Boss, on the other hand, I take almost no inspiration. Nor should you. Do the opposite. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on, <laughs> on that note, uh, the, the love fest will end, and uh, we will we will see you next time. Where we were gonna be, we're gonna begin episode nine. That'll be mm-hmm. an, actually. Oh no, I think. Oh no 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 no! We special. We get a very special, a special next. Surprise. Sorry, a very special episode. You're gonna meet. We're gonna have our first guest on the show. It's true. That's all right. A really exceptional guest that we are very excited for. Now, listen, I don't want to. That, that's not fair. That's not fair. It is. It is. I don't because everyone's gonna be like, "Is Roy Kent on the show?" No, no. <laughs> oh God, no, 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 no. No, we don't rank <laughs> bigger than that. That high, but um, we um, yeah, no, we have somebody. We have our. Uh, I, I don't want to say it, but it's one of our listeners, and um, mm-hmm. we're just we're just big fans, and we're very excited to talk to this particular listener, and we think that. Everyone in our listening community, which is the greatest listening community of any podcast out there. I, I wish we could just line our listening community up against all the wing nuts out there. Because I'm just, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, who's listening to these other crazy, crazy shows? You know what I mean? Ours, our people are just, mm-hmm. oh, they're so good. It's so amazing. Anyway, uh, we're going to meet one of our listeners next time. And I think everyone's going to love it. Uh, until that time. Please uh, support your local libraries, support the written word, and remember that here on our podcast, we are... I'm not saying it because it's Juneteenth and I ain't got to. Oh, that's fair. Rich men till we die. (laughs) I'll I'll take that. That's on me. No, come on, come on, I'll do it. it. No, we're out. We're done. (laughs) I love that. That might be my favorite. I ain't got to. And he just stared at me <laughs> through the camera. I dare you, yep. motherfucker. Yep. Don't push me today, coach. Uh, that was very scary. Out. That was very scary. Thanks for sharing the moment We're with done. us, everybody. We'll see. We'll see you next time. <laughs> coach. Oh, it's terrifying. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.